Welcome to not just episode 141 of the Random Tale Podcast, but also the year 2017. I'm Jason. And I'm Angel. And we're now all living in the year of the Switch. Less than a week from this episode going live, Nintendo's big Switch presentation will be taking place. And with it will be all sorts of news and information that we spent months, actually years probably, uh, speculating about. So we're, we're, it's, the home sweat, it's the home stretch. We're practically there. And it's not happening just yet. Which means that in this episode, there's still a little room to speculate. So uh-huh. we're going to be talking Switch, and we're also going to be predicting what's coming for uh, Nintendo as a whole this year. Be it on mobile, be it on 3DS, even the poor Wii U. So we got all that. We've also, you know, some predictions, some more pipe dreams and anything else. Plus, yeah, I should just take a break for a week. I mean, why even bother coming up with rumors at this point when everything is Because they're not real? rumors, they're leaks. Why even bother leaking anything? I don't know. Just, yeah, honestly, it it's has... honestly, uh, I don't know, it, I... I it's really, honestly I really dislike that. Like, why at this point, like, just let people wait five days? Well, there's a lot we're not even covering. There's all sorts of no, stuff like, oh, it's capacity and it's voice chat functionality. It's like, you know what? In five days, we'll see it. It's fine. But some of the other stuff, I think, at least in terms of what, I'm, what I think my predictions and maybe your predictions are for the Switch, for Nintendo as a whole, some of it kind of nicely slots into those predictions. So it's kind of like a marrying of that and what's already being rumored. Mm-hmm. But we have all that. And then you've also been playing Shantae Half Genie Hero. And have impressions for that at the end of the show. As such, the point of me saying all this is the episode is called I Dream of Half Genie. And it's the cringiest one we've done in a while. And you are welcome, entire internet. So, uh, yeah. If we can, you can find timestamps to any specific topic we're talking about. Be it Shantae, be it Switch, be it 3DS, even Wii U. Uh, on the blog post for this episode at com, Just scroll down. They're all listed there. Or you can come along for the whole ride of predictions as we walk through every facet of Nintendo's 2017 and its importance. And did you just drop your phone? Yeah, it's fine. Is the screen okay? Yeah, it's fine. Two hours from now, we're going to hit stop recording. You're going to look at it and you're going to start crying because it's going to be like shattered in 20 million pieces. Nah, it's fine. Okay. Cool. That doesn't happen. It can happen. Well, not you crying necessarily, but phones can shatter. Not my phone. It's shatterproof. No phone is shatterproof. I've dropped it many times over the you know past what else? two years, and it's never cracked. Well, now you just jinxed it because you just told a lot of people that. So congratulations. But uh, what I was going to say is, you know what is shat- is not shatterproof, I'm pretty sure. See? Is, oh, you're right. Okay. Is the uh, Switch. That was the worst transition, but let's just jump right in. I think the absolutely safest prediction I can make, or you can make, or anyone can is make. Is that it's releasing this year? Is that it's releasing this year, and that's going to be the dominant Nintendo story of the year. We've talked a lot about the nitty-gritty of the Switch. We've talked about the games. We've talked about the features. We've talked about the Joy-Con and how it works. But if you step back and look at the Switch at like a more macro level, this system matters for Nintendo, like, a lot. It's, in many ways, how it performs for Nintendo in, in, in 2017 is kind of going to determine what Nintendo itself will be for years to so come. So not the first comparison, but so this is, like, their Dreamcast, so to speak, in the sense that I... Hopefully because, because, well, I mean, <laughs> hopefully it's a different outcome, yeah, but yeah. yes. Yes. Yeah, because that was Sega's last. I mean, that console literally determined whether they were going to keep making consoles or yeah, in a way, and do whatever it is that they're doing now. Exactly. Because I mean, the thing making is, Nintendo and... and and other games yeah. for other systems. Because <laughs> yeah. I mean, in a way, Nintendo Nintendo's fine as a company. They have the IP expansion plans. They have Universal coming. They have the mobile game stuff. They even have the 3DS still. But the Switch is their bread and butter. It's their main focus. It's their Dreamcast. Not quite Hail Mary, but. 
because they they're fine. Sega was literally in dire straits. Nintendo will be fine, but this I think will be the make or break of if they make another console or if they just make games for other systems. They have they have crossed that divide. They now make games on iPhone, and they're going and Mario runs up for pre-release uh, notification on Android. We have reached that point where they are now making games for other things. So if Switch were to bomb, I don't think it will, but Nintendo has fumbled before. But if Switch were to bomb, this this would probably be the turning point. So in Switch's favor, like I said, I don't think it's going to do that. The messaging for it is super clear. The rumors of a lower price point, if that becomes reality, would be perfect, and people would hook onto that and like or latch onto that and really like it. Um, but even then, I think what actually matters for Switch, especially in 2017, this critical year, is what Nintendo releases, what third parties release, and what games Switch owners will actually buy and support. Because that's going to determine whether we have like this massive, wonderful, varied library for the next three, four, five years, or whether we have a Wii U 2, where it's like, cool, there's two great games a year, and then just a barren wasteland in between them. So, that's kind of what it looks like going into Switch. I think 2017 is not, it's not even so much like about the hardware, it's about the games that are going to back the hardware. And the first game, literally the first game the Switch will have, is now looking again like it's going to be Zelda. So, there's a period there where Breath of the Wild, according to insiders like Emily Rogers and Laura Kate Dale, was going to be delayed till later in the year, was going to miss launch, possibly come out around June, was the time frame being thrown around. But now they both circle back, and they're saying it's coming in March Because that's just again. how it works. They're very confident that it's going to come out later because, like, oh, Mario makes way much more sense, and now they're like... Well, no, 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 it wasn't... It, I don't think it was them saying Mario makes no, way I know, more sense. No, I know, but still. Yeah. I think what it was... Well, actually, Eurogamer has a great insight Great insight to what it might have been, which is... Uh, so, according to Eurogamer... What happened was Japan, Nintendo's Japanese branch, always was gunning for March. They know Zelda does better in March. Separate from what your game is reporting, here's a little fun fact. Twilight Princess sales were really high because it launched with the Wii. 56% of Wii owners bought Twilight Princess. By, like, five months after the game launched, 56% of every Wii owner... Wait, well, that sounds weird. 56% of all Wii owners, if you were 56% of every year, the upper torso of every Wii owner and a part of their well, thigh the had decision. Twilight Princess. No, but, uh, yeah, so over half of all Wii owners had Twilight Princess. Look at, like, how Majora's Mask did with the new 3DS XL. It sold really well as a companion game. So Zelda tends to do quite well when it's, like, I'm buying a new system and I'm getting this epic Zelda experience with it. So the logic is, yeah, you would probably want Breath of the Wild to be their day and date. It could give you more of a return on your investment of making the game if you have it there with the system versus six or eight months later. That said, that said, that's not the reason apparently that it was running into this back and forth. So Nintendo's Japanese branch, they just wanted it there for March, or maybe that reason made something else Eurogamer didn't say. But Nintendo of Europe was the one dragging their feet because they have to localize all this crazy sandbox open world gameplay into so many languages and they didn't think the game would be done in time for them to properly localize it in time. In fact, they still don't know if the game will be done in time for them to properly localize it, but the whoever decides releases over at Nintendo Japan at NCL basically said, well, we're still doing it, so it's going to be out in America and Europe at launch, or sorry, America and Japan at launch, essentially confirmed, as close to confirmed as you can get until Thursday, and then Europe, who knows, it's up in the air. But it, it's interesting because that does raise a question that you sort of brought up, indirectly when you mentioned mario like what happens to mario i cannot see mario which was all previously reported as a launch title being there at the exact same time as zelda that seems like overkill that seems like not yeah we don't smart. have that much money either come on man but not not only that but like 
if let's say we did, let's say people are like, okay, yeah, I'll buy two games with the Switch and I'll buy the Switch. That screws over put... every third party completely. Yeah. Because if Nintendo puts like Zelda and a B tier game, it's like or a smaller game or one of their enhanced ports of an already released game, it's like okay, some people that can afford to get three games might get that, but someone might be like, oh, this new weird experimental. I don't know, Ubisoft game might be more interesting to me. The Zombie U equivalent of this launch, if there is one, might be more enticing than Mario Kart 8.5 or whatever. So if they put Mario and Zelda, they basically bite into any potential sale. So it actually would hurt more than help, I feel like, to have both flagship games there at the exact same time. So my guess is if Zelda's there, Mario isn't. And if Mario's there, Zelda isn't. But we're not seeing both at once. And that leads to my first actual 2017 prediction. It's a little bold, but I'll bet money on it if you want. I think in 2017, we're going to see Nintendo do approximately a new game every single month, minus maybe one month in the summer that they'll take off. They don't usually release a lot in July or, in July or, or really just July. So every, But they might because it's starting later. Anyway, almost with the exception of maybe a month, every single month we're going to see a game from Nintendo. That's my theory. They've done it before, sort of. So with GameCube back in 2002, they had a quadruple release of Mario Sunshine in August, Star Fox Adventures in Animal Crossing in September, and Metroid in November. So the equivalent of one game a month. So that was kind of the first trial of that. Then, if you jump to 2006 and 2007 with the Wii, they went Twilight Princess in November and on all the holiday releases through December, including, uh, um, uh, obviously, well, Wii Sports and Twilight were kind of at the same time, and Excite Truck were all within a week, so we'll let them have December off. But then they had, right after that, in January 20, uh, 2007, WarioWare, in February, we play. In April, Super Paper Mario. In May, Mario Party. In June, Pokemon Battle Revolution. In July, Mario Strikers. In August, Metroid Prime 3. In October, uh, Battalion Wars 2. And in November, Mario Galaxy. Hmm. So if they can crank all that out with the Wii, and some of those were, of course, Game 2 games that got moved to the Wii, I think between the games from Wii U that probably got moved to the Switch... And with the ports from Wii U and older generations that are getting moved to the Switch or put on the Switch and new games, I think we can very easily see a single game a month. So what's the longest week the Wii U had? (sighs) Nothing like that. I don't even know. Uh, Like three months? Four months? Maybe. Yeah, Um, well, usually in the fall, they've been pretty good in the fall about doing what they did with the Yankee, where they release almost a game a month every fall into the holidays. Like starting around September or August, they'll do boom, 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 boom. But the way they handled Wii was like perfect. And... I'm assuming that's totally doable for them with, with Switch. They First of all, they have fewer months to work with because March to no, November, December, that's only nine months. So if, they, so if they can do a mix of ports and new games and new IPs and whatnot and enhanced games, it should not be difficult at all for them to do nine games. And that would really help with the whole thing I was saying about like it need, Nintendo needs to really crank out the games and get people to buy the system. And the more games they put out, more people are interested in the system, more people buy the system more third parties get on board, more third parties get on board, more games. It's a it's sort of a self-fulfilling thing. So hopefully that happens. Like I'm, I'm going to assume they release either like Splatoon or Mario Kart 8.5 or whatever you want to say alongside. Well, yeah, I mean, they have a lot of freebies that are like yeah. technically games, but mm-hmm. I mean, we just have to give it to them. And I think one of those two is for sure going to come out alongside the Switch. So even if you take out one of those two, they still have plenty of options for the rest of the year. Like my, my gut feeling is we may see Splatoon be day and date with the Switch. I mean, it's a game... It, the game Splatoon is literally a game-as-a-service setup. So it kind of makes sense to even like bundle it with a slightly higher skew or something like that, and then you can just constantly 
be updating Splatoon alongside the Switch's entire lifespan, and half the Switch owners or all the Switch owners, depending on how Nintendo wants to do it, will have the game on their system ready to go. They can just boot it up and play. And it kind of it's kind of the least enhanced of all the enhanced ports that we know of. Like they're adding a local multiplayer mode, and then some new character styles, maybe a couple new courses, and rumor has it possibly playable Octolings, and that's it. It's not drastically changing the gameplay. It's not drastically changing anything major. If anything, it's downgrading it's, it. It's, I wouldn't say it's downgrading because they'll well, have online multiplayer still. But if anything, yeah, but I mean, without the gamepad, yeah, a lot of people that got used to it are will only see it as a downgrade because now instead of having a map always readily available, you have to toggle it up. Unless every you once put in it in a corner, but that's really tiny. So no, you, I mean, that's it. You still have to toggle yeah. it up every once. Well, in actually, a while. no. If the, if the switch has a touch screen as indicated, and it's in the bottom seventh of the map you could technically just press where you need to go and it could launch you there it'd be much more difficult because it's a much smaller space to press yeah so it's still a bit of a downgrade but, I mean, but it won't still... be as drastic as yeah but it, it definitely can't be it has to be toggleable like probably like one yeah. of the shoulder buttons has to just like bring it up really fast yeah I mean, you're probably right i mean if you're playing on your tv you have to have the thing docked so you don't even have access to this oh screen. duh yeah yeah that's true so they have to design it in a way that will work perfectly yeah. with both so but assuming they figure that out i could splatoon to me this well, I mean, sort of they, like I mean, half-step game as service where it's free to start. In theory, it could be free to start bundled with the system, and then you can pile on stuff over time, maybe make some stuff yeah. pay. However they approach it, that is very reminiscent of how Metroid Prime Hunter's uh, first hunt came with the DS. It was kind of this like stripped-down, bare-bones thing, and then the only difference is they released a full Hunter's there they had to buy, but they could just pile on on top of this first hunt Splatoon equivalent, so to speak, and... Um, you know, just build it out with the Switch as years go by. So that, to me, would make a very, one, very smart move to get people to play Splatoon, and two, make total sense as a package thing, and three, make total sense as a launch game. So my guess, which we'll find out Thursday, this is kind of moot in like five days, but my guess is we'll probably see Zelda and Splatoon on launch. But And then if you look at something like Mario Kart 8.5 or whatever it's going to end up being called, I like calling it 8.5, they're actually doing bigger tweaks that actually affect gameplay. That two-item thing could literally change how the game plays. Unlike Splatoon, where it's just new modes and things. So for that... Well, yeah, that would they... definitely make a huge difference. I mean, people, well, in, yeah. first, people in first... It, if anything, it makes it easier for people that are already in first place. Because they're like, oh, here comes the red show. All right, get rid of banana. Now queue up the next banana. Yeah. Oh, But yeah, yeah, but it show. changes strategies like completely. Like anything that's happening in Splatoon is still... If you know Splatoon, you know Splatoon. Oh, yeah, but yeah, this, yeah. they could literally market it as like a new Mario Kart experience. And oh, yeah. sell it on its own. That, like, that definitely changes the time. Yeah. So they could sell it like, you know, like May or something. Like Mario Kart 8 did great in May. They could release Mario Kart 8.5 in May, close out the quote-unquote launch window that every Give us more of those crossover levels. I yeah. Mean, I I'd even, be so down for I mean, Nintendo I personally don't even really care if um, Captain Falcon was a playable character, but at this point, just give it to authority because, you know, you've been teasing people with yeah. like those F-Zero tracks. I mean, that's just sad at this point. <laughs> that's true. They need to just make F-Zero. Like, I would be so happy they if out of nowhere... I mean, I'd be so... They have the Blue I know, Falcon, they I give know. you those tracks, like, new music. They need to make and... a real F-Zero that goes yeah. really fast, is my point. I'd be Actually, if you do 200cc, it's basically F-Zero, you're right. I you're know, right. They, they practically made it zero, but they just won't give us a zero. But, I mean... I Maybe Mario Kart 8.5 will come with F-Zero mode, where literally <laughs> the plumbers are replaced with James McCloud... Fox furry human. Or at the very least, just give us your GXHD or something. Yeah. With well, hey, play. Virtual Console for Switch. We talked about this before. But I mean, if it has online is... play, I mean, I feel like that's all people really want. Yeah. I mean, Miyamoto says he don't want to do it because there's no room for innovation. Because they, 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 yeah, you mean make a, make a new F-Zero, not specifically online play. Yeah, that's yeah, right. Yeah. yeah, so I mean... But, like, has really... that stopped Nintendo before? I know they always like say, oh, we innovate with yeah. every game, but... I don't. I hate to break it to Nintendo, but New Super Mario Brothers Two having a oh, emphasis yeah. on coins is not an innovation. 
any more than F Zero having a new gameplay new mechanic. Super Mario Brothers Wii U or New Super Mario Brothers U, mm-hmm. or any of the so-called new. Nope, New Super Mario Brothers U had an innovation. There were blocks that you had to touch with your finger on the gamepad. Uh, I mean, that was there. Now, now, if that's what if that something town counts, that was literally there, like um, well. Yeah, go ahead. I don't know. That was literally just like troll mode. I was going to say, if that's what Nintendo counts as innovation, it is good we didn't get F-Zero on Wii U outside <laughs> of Nintendo Land because that would have been like, rub the car to make it go faster or something. Be like, nah, I really don't want to. But, um, what was I going to say? Yeah, I think Mario Kart, like, I could easily see Mario Kart 8.5 being like a closing of the launch window because, you know, every company has that stupid launch window where it's like, Three months after launch, you consider that the launch lamp. So really, we only need six games on day one because we'll have 12 by day 90. But uh, I could really honestly see Mario Kart 8.5 being the bookend of the launch window in like late May. And from there, Nintendo could very easily fill out the rest of the year um, with, you know, additional enhanced ports and new tiles and stuff. Yeah, the Smash Brothers one, whenever that. Yeah, I mean, there, there are probably games on the way that the rumor mill hasn't even touched i feel like every nintendo launch is some sort of warioware game in mario equivalent there's some sort of mario party you know there's those early nintendo games that showcase the hardware and what it can do with fun mini games uh to be the marketing guy here like you know we, ds had it we had it wii u had it i it seems logical that there'll be one or two for switch especially if the joy con is a pointer and ir blaster thing especially if um, the touchscreen ends up being a true thing, as the patents have suggested, as we talked last episode. If all those crazy control inputs become real, we are for sure going to get WarioWare between now and, like, end of summer. Mm. Well, not now, between Switch launch and episode. It would be weird if they released WarioWare in February and then the Switch in March, but, uh, yeah, we will for sure see that. I don't know what's stopping it, or maybe nothing's stopping it, but I hope um, the Switch gets those um, party boxes or the Jackbox things. What? It's on PS4. It's like a collection of mini games. Oh, that, oh the one that, from the you, you don't know Jack developers. Yeah, that use your phone as a controller and you have to ping to the website. But I don't know. It's really that, that would I mean Nintendo's I mean, always considered such a like multiplayer oriented system. I can't it, see it make total sense. I can't see Nintendo there. making a game that uses that. But they would happily yeah. have a third party. I mean, they're so big on getting third parties, it would make yeah. total sense to me. Because I mean, it seems like why didn't it come on the Wii U? But oh well. Well. Maybe yeah. we know well, why. Yeah. <laughs> well, I want to come on Switch. Will be a different question in six months to ask. But, uh, but yeah. So that that's kind of a taste of what, like, we don't know is coming. But even even if you just look at okay, so ignoring the hypothetical WarioWare and Mario Party, ignoring the enhanced Splatoon and Mario Kart Eight, even if you just look at what we already have heard rumors of coming out this year, the lineup would be pretty stacked. Like if they did Pokemon Sun and Moon as Pokemon Stars on Switch. That could be a fall release. That could take the place of the old, like, uh, third version slot in previous generations. If Pikmin 4, which Miyamoto, remember, announced, like, a year ago for Wii U, obviously not kind of Wii U, if that materializes this year, that could easily be an August release, like Pikmin 2 and 3, and fill that month just fine. In fact, you could argue that Pikmin for 3DS could basically be priming the pump for a Pikmin 4 on Switch. Oh, I forgot the game existed. Yeah, so that's coming out So supposedly in the first half of the year. So that could be out, say, May or June. Then you have three months to prep people with the side-scrolling mini Pikmin spinoff for a true new Pikmin in August. So there, there's another thing. And now on top of that, there also appears to be this whole comeback or renaissance of those Nintendo sports games of yesteryear. I can see 2017 easily becoming the year that Nintendo dips back into the old Nintendo sports brand. And they had that during the N64 days. If, I don't know if you remember, but we already know that like Wave Race trademark has been renewed. 1080 snowboarding could easily make a comeback. It's oh, kind of... you mean actual sports, not yeah, just yeah, yeah. like Mario no, 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 Baseball. No, no. Do you remember that in the N64 days? No, no, they yeah, had yeah, yeah. Free baseball, oh, no, yeah, yeah, that's right. I, I remember yeah. those 
the ones yeah. pretty much I never bothered with because well, I don't, I don't they think they're gonna Mario do characters. they're not gonna do licensed sports games like Kobe Bryant or Ken Griffey, but I could easily see them. I mean, Wave Race, like I already said, trademarks renewed. We know that that was the story we covered before. Ten A snowboarding that is an easy slot in for like a B tier November or December release, like not their star game for that month, but like a secondary one, which is exactly how they handled Ten A Avalanche in the GameCube days. It came out in December. It was like kind of like not the prime big highlight of our holiday but just another game for the holidays and they also just filed a trademark for excite truck so as an excite truck fan that makes me very happy now they could just be protecting their names but they also could be making new excite trucks and 1080s and wave races i don't know and... it sounds like they're just protecting their names i mean did you see how excite box sold i did see it yes but do you see how excite bike has lived on as a franchise and Excite Truck sold quite well when it was more. It just seems like they're just kind of shoving it in our face. I like, remember this because in Mario Kart Eight and Smash Brothers and blah blah blah. But if they're doing a whole renaissance of these more extreme Nintendo sports, it would fit. Excite yeah. Truck sold quite well. Excite Bot sold quite not well. And uh, which is which is weird because that was the more interesting one. I think it's because Excite Truck was a launch game, and honestly, and it came with while a steering I wheel, loved, didn't it? Uh, no, it did not. Excite Bots did. It was the truck. The wheel, Wii wheel, was not a thing until two thousand nine. Truck came out in two thousand six. It was just oh, you just I... use the controller sideways. Oh. It predates the wheel. And I honestly think, as much as I love Excite Bots and its absolute absurdity of like you build a sandwich and play poker as you race down the road, it got in retrospect, it probably got a little too ambitious. I think why Excite Truck worked as well as it did, it was very simple, and it sold the controller idea as a steering wheel before they actually had a wheel extremely well. But uh, I think, though, that this whole idea of like Nintendo bringing back Nintendo sports is not all that far-fetched at all. Like I, I know they could just be protecting their names, but the way the trademarks have all been filed so quickly close together like this, I don't think it's far-fetched because if you look at the Switch reveal, and we kind of touched on this once before, but if you look at the Switch reveal, NBA 2K was right there front and center. It was a major part. And the fact of the matter is, for the past few generations, sports games have done not well at all on Nintendo platforms. The audience just is not there. I mean, the Wii U had a single Madden and a single NBA 2K and absolutely nothing since. Yet at the same time, the Switch is this system where Nintendo's whole pitch is it's all the games you know and love, but now you can plop them off your TV and take them on the go. And the problem with that <laughs> is you can't leave out one of the biggest genres in gaming, sports, and then tell people it's all the games you know and love if you don't have the entire sports genre. Play a basketball game instead of playing basketball. Exactly. Go to the court, but don't actually play basketball. Just sit around the Switch. But they can't do that if there are no sports games. So it's, it really leaves them with a bit of a chicken and egg problem where, like, if you're primarily a sports game player, why buy the Switch if there are no sports games? But if there are no sports games players on the Switch, why develop a sports game for the platform? So the answer is, I think, that you need to make sports games that cater to those people who are already buying the Switch. The Nintendo fans who play Nintendo games. And then... Those games could basically become gateway drugs to real sports games by other companies or more extreme sports games by other companies. I mean, we've seen it work with N64. Nintendo had their entire sports line, literally called Nintendo Sports, and that gave way to the likes of big popular games like NFL Blitz and NHL Hits, and Acclaim had all their baseball games on N64, and they did pretty well. So we've seen it work there. It worked as well with the Wii in the early days. Nintendo put out Wii Sports. People played that. And then look, here come two or three consecutive years of Madden where they actually made an effort to make motion control Madden and make it more casual friendly and kind of align up with the Wii Sports audience, 
and it did pretty decently on Wii for those couple years. It, it tapered off as the fad died, but they did it for multiple years. It wasn't like, oh, we tried it once, it didn't work. It worked, and then worked again, and then started to not work. But the point is, you can sort of shepherd people into more real sports games using Nintendo's own sports sub-brand of sorts. So I could see them trying that again with Switch, you know, bring back Nintendo Sports, do the slightly more extreme stuff, do Wave Race, do 1080, do... You could even argue, like, Excite Truck and maybe even argue F-Zero could fall under this. And then once people do that, maybe they'll see, oh, NBA 2K, okay, I'm a guy who likes... <laughs> 2K, snow- okay. Well, 2K, okay. I'm a guy who likes snowboarding, I'm a guy who likes basketball. This cool Nintendo-made snowboarding game and this basketball game are on the same thing, maybe I'll buy a Switch. So it's possible that this could be their gateway drug. I could see, in theory, how this could work. And to be honest, I also can see this strategy happening outside of sports games too. If you look at like, just I think 2017 is going to be the year that Nintendo and their parties work closer together and better together than they probably have in a long time. I mean, look at what Nintendo's doing with Ubisoft. So this is mostly rumored, but it's a good example. So the idea behind the sports game strategy, where it's like, oh, they we hook them with the Nintendo made games, we kind of give them games that are similar to those, and then we slowly start like parsing them further away from like not parsing but we slowly start guiding people down this path that's more away from traditional nintendo but they're sort of slowly making their way there and just caring for themselves it's like again a gateway drug thing that is happening with ubisoft's entire rumored lineup so first there's a new rumor that uh rayman legends will be getting a switch port in the second quarter of this year now rayman legends is a game from three years ago and it uh i guess they figured there's a second shot here but to Ubisoft's credit, cool game. It, it is. It is a cool game. And to Ubisoft's credit, it is the perfect game for a Nintendo audience. It, and we know that for sure because the Wii U version of Rayman Legends outsold the PS4 and Xbox versions. So, individually. So, it it's already proven that this Re- thing... Legends had a head start for a little while, but then they decided to not give it a head start and just release them all at the same time? Or... Mm-hmm. Legends was originally a Wii U exclusive. And then Ubisoft looked at the Wii U uh, audience and went, well... No one's going to be... There's not a people here to make this worth our while. So they decided to put on PS4 and Xbox. I mean, PS3, 4? PlayStation and Xbox. 3 and 360? Yeah, it's 3 and 360. That's right. I said PS4, I misspoke. But yeah, three, uh, 360 and 3. And so they put it on there. But instead of just releasing it on Wii, even though it was done, they decided to hold it back so all three versions came out at the same time. That was the whole controversy. And in that situation, the Wii U one, I believe, still sold the best. So now... Ubisoft is taking in they know resonates with Nintendo fans and putting it on Nintendo system and going, eh, see you guys, you're buying it for Nintendo, but here's a game we know you'll like because you literally liked it before, so you'll like it again. And then, you know, so that's coming Q2 apparently. And then right after that uh, is the Rayman or the Rabbids Mario crossover RPG, which is now rumored to be coming in September and could be under the name of Rabbids Kingdom Battle or Rabbid Mushroom Kingdom Battle or something like that. We'll know by Thursday. Um, so now you have two very Nintendo-oriented games from Ubisoft. And once you have those, they're then doing this whole, like, ah, we got the gateway drug, let's try something a little different. So separate from that, Ubisoft is also reportedly making Beyond Good and Evil 2 a 12-month Switch exclusive, which plays very nicely to the crowd who might buy into the Switch for deep adventure games like Breath of the Wild, or even the not-quite-yet-official Skyrim Special Edition, which, if you think about it, Skyrim is literally the living embodiment of a you-may-also-like suggestion for breath of the wild like they could put an insert on breath of the wild it's like you may also like this game and it could be skyrim mm-hmm. and people be like yup every single time it's like the same it's like breath of the wild but felt there weren't enough hours of gameplay yeah exactly it's like you want more breath of the wild but like maybe from a first person perspective check this out so 
right there. There's two examples of uh, games. You can toggle are... both. Huh? You could also do third you could, person. You could yeah. do both, yeah. Oh, that's true. You could do third person. Yeah. But, um, but, yeah, the point there being, so here we, again, with Beyond Good and Evil 2 and some extent Skyrim, we have these games that cater very nicely to an audience that everyone knows will be there, which are the people buying Zelda. So then once you have all that, once you have your Rabbids and your Rayman and your uh, Young Good and Evil 2, perhaps a number of Switch fans, in theory, would be like, oh, I really like this Ubisoft brand. This is cool. I'd buy more games from them. And then boom, Ubisoft planning to put day and date with every other version, the next version of Assassin's Creed on Switch. So they, in theory, if this all pans out, would successfully transition people Dogs, from being and maybe Watch Dogs 3 in the future. How did 2 do? Uh, not great at launch, but they don't care as much about that. I'll get to that in a second. I'm going to finish this point real quick before I lose my train of thought. I, all I was going to say is, in theory, what Ubisoft could do is basically go, we're making games for Nintendo fans, and then we're literally weaning them off Nintendo and onto our own traditional games. Hmm. And if that works, much like they could do with sports, it's a pretty easy way to expand that base and get people to play your games. And to get more people by Switch, because now there's more games. Now, to answer your question, now, actually, to be clear, I realize there are a ton of ifs in this scenario. Like, not every publisher has IPs that will naturally line up with Nintendo. Not every publisher wants to invest money in making exclusives to cater to a Nintendo audience when they can just make games for Xbox and PlayStation and be fine over there. But that's kind of the beauty of the whole Unreal Engine support that uh, Switch is drumming up right now because if those diehard Nintendo fans are slowly being convinced to check out other games from other publishers through what Ubisoft is doing or what Nintendo is doing with sports, hypothetically. Unreal then makes it easy for some of the publishers of these quote-unquote other games to bring them to the Switch really quickly and get them to play those. And devs are already doing that. The Japanese uh, manager for Unreal, Japanese territory manager for Unreal, has said in an interview that a lot of Switch games, both announced and unannounced, are already being powered by the engine or being made with the engines they could quickly come over so this whole thing in a way long story short my rant's almost over this i just gonna say that this whole thing in a way would solve the whole chicken and egg problem of third-party support if it were to pan out properly if it were to work out it seems like it could work because those looking for a nintendo experience will buy into the switch for a nintendo experience third parties will then slowly start to make them play other games because they'll you know entice them with some kind of nintendo-esque and then they can get them to try other things or it'll bridge a gap well enough and then once those people start playing other games and the library begins to grow, then those who didn't buy a Switch because it previously was missing Game X or, gen- or Genre Y or whatever will now see them on the Switch and suddenly they'll be like, oh, cool, this is a robust enough library for me to jump in. So if this works, 2017 in theory would be the year that the ball gets rolling on this entire scheme. From sports games to non-sports games, from Ubisoft to whoever else, like, this would all play out in front of us over the next nine months of Switch. In theory. If all goes well. If all goes well. But if it works, it really would work. Like, this would be exactly... Because usually the issue that they had in the past was what Nintendo's doing. Even with Wii U, you could see it with Wii U. It wasn't like, hey, here's the audience we know is going to buy it. How do we get them to now buy other things? It was, hey, here's the audience that we want to buy it. Let's make games for them. But if you're Joe Xbox and you're playing Arkham Asylum on your xbox why would you get or not arkham Asylum? if you're playing arkham city on your xbox why would you get the wii u version of arkham city why would you buy a wii u to play the same game that just has touch controls or if you go back to the gamecube why would you get like one version of whatever game on gamecube versus Mm -hmm. ps2 if you already own a ps2 every single generation nintendo's attitude has been 
oh, we need to entice those gamers with those games. But it's almost like, no, you first need to get your fans who buy your games to start buying other people's games because once they buy those, the library will start to grow. And then a year from now, that investment pays off when the gamers who have the Xbox and the PlayStation bag, whoa, every game I want's already there plus all this other stuff versus I have like three games that are there. Like I see Batman, I see Tekken Tag Tournament on Wii U, but like I see Call of Duty, but there's nothing else. But if everything's already there and then it's like, oh, and you can pick up and walk outside with it too, when then the, they'll get hooked. When the Switch will get the, the HD remasters of Batman? Who knows? I mean, in theory, in theory well, Warner Brothers is a, no, I'm saying who knows and like yeah. it all depends on all yeah. sorts of variables, but Warner Brothers is a big supporter of Nintendo and always has been, so it's possible. And to answer your earlier I'm sure question... sure they'll get whatever Lego Batman the movie game. Oh, of course. Yeah. And to answer your... Because see, some That's companies... That's already a shoe-in, basically. Some companies get it. Warner Brothers gets it. Warner Brothers releases games on Nintendo systems that will sell to Nintendo demographics. The problem is they don't then bridge it into anything else they just leave it at nintendo demographics and that's somewhat nintendo's responsibility that's why i think stuff like nintendo branching out and doing sport games would make more sense and be a better way to approach that now to answer your earlier question watchdogs 2 did all right it didn't uh it didn't sell gangbusters at the front uh it actually underperformed but dlc has become such a crucial thing for games that it's less about what you saw at launch and more about your long term basically every tile is an evergreen title now so the more you can sell in DLC, you can more than make up the, the dev costs and the difference. Because you can get so much more money out of so fewer people versus before where you had to get as many people as possible up front because that's where all your investment went. So didn't do well at, at the front, but I imagine overall it still performed quite well for them. Hmm. Well, all right then. And I think that kind of does it for my rant. It is worth knowing not every third party is going to have this weird little situation I'm talking about. Sega is bringing over Sonic and it's going to be totally fine. Well, Square Enix is bringing Sonics over. right now. Oh yeah, yeah, that's true. Um, and it's wait. funny how it's like the one that seems like Sonic Mania is not coming to the Switch as of now, but you seem like it wait, could. if they can't put that one, how come Sonic Twenty Seventeen can? But it yeah, could but... and it would. And also Square Enix they're bringing over Dragon Quest, and that seems like a shoe in. Capcom they haven't announced anything yet, but they could throw Ace Attorney on there. They could throw Monster Hunter on there. They will do fine. There are some games that naturally resonate with Nintendo audiences enough to do this whole like weird thing. But the point I was trying to get is that bridge building and all like, oh, Nintendo makes sports games so then other sports games come, or Nintendo works with Ubisoft so then they can transition people into more traditional Ubisoft games. All that is to address the gaps in the lineup that stuff like Monster Hunter or Seg or Sonic or whatever won't cover. So, so I don't know. Is there a specific, like, because I just rattled off like 12 games and, okay, so we're Nintendo fans. Or not 12 games, but over the course of this whole example, everything from sports to Assassin's Creed. So as Nintendo fans, now that I've been like the heady level what franchise would actually work on us like this? Like, is there any third-party franchise that we don't already have that we'd be like, oh, that'd be great. I want that. Like, I actually don't think I have any, which is what makes it so difficult for these third parties to do their thing. I mean, I guess that's a pretty easy question for me because I had to pretty much think, all right, I actually went out and bought a PS3 for myself, but, like, why did I buy it in the first place? Well, was it for Sony or was it for third-party? It was, it was a little bit of both. I actually had to come up with a list of at least 10 games before that I wanted before I would buy a PS3 because I obviously have to make it worth my investment. And yeah. a lot of those were first party. Like, obviously, I can't expect them to port, like, God of Wars and stuff like that because I love that franchise, but that's a first party. But fighting games are a pretty big thing that I really like. and But that kind of falls on Capcom. Like, the Marvel vs. Capcom series like the like those I really enjoy so Singapore to that would be cool but I know that's a Sony exclusive for a long time is it um the next one Infinite I think it's exclusive uh, to PS4 yeah. for a while it is confirmed for Xbox 
but not till next year. And well, hey, maybe they could add to. I mean, if Switch sells well enough, yeah, it's powerful enough. And I know Street Fighter Five is exclusive to PS4 for a while. They they've said it will come to other consoles eventually, but they haven't even said when. It, but Street Fighter is always getting like virtual console releases all the time on Nintendo. It almost seems like oh, reused so, in Smash Brothers. Yeah, it's like where's an actual Street Fighter game a new one for the Switch or See, anything? That to like, me, that one I feel like would make the most sense because I mean they're always supporting it, but. That know. to me is so weird because Street Fighter, especially yeah, Ryu being in Cap and Smash not just Brothers. that, but Street Fighter is the embodiment of this entire thing. This entire like we could you can bridge the gap with Nintendo. Release fans. other fighters on. I mean, like, it doesn't have to be Street Fighter. Just release Dark Thought. Well, I don't know they, how that would go. With. Here's what's even weirder: is Nintendo did have a Street Fighter. They had Street Fighter Four 3D on 3DS at yeah, launch, over a million sold, and Fighter then they 4. never followed it up. Yeah. Why? <laughs> like you had the P- you Capcom, you had Nintendo fans in the palm of your hand. You could have done Honestly, it. Honestly, Tatsunoku Fighter... versus Capcom on Wii might be coming to Wii, uh, might be coming to Switch Virtual Console. Rumor has it. Again, you are feeding the Nintendo fans who only supposedly buy Nintendo games with this stuff, and they will buy it. So why not just Honestly, do the if, extra if step? If there's any franchise that I guess I'd want more, it'd probably be any of Capcom's fighting games, and they seem to make the most sense on the Switch because you could take it with you anywhere to a tournament. Say. Yeah. And it, while other monitors are being used, you could just put your Switch next to someone else's and get your controller, and you could play with them versus locally. It makes land. too much sense. Yeah, like I don't know I why feel like that, not that, that would be the one I'd want. It's because it's too perfect. Or, I mean, everything else we already have, like Monster Hunter, that's already perfect for the Switch because you could get a party together and just play. I to each still other. predict that in 2017, in March, on Switch launch, we will see. The a switch port of Monster Hunter uh, Double Cross or XX. We have a dollar for, on that. We have a dollar on that, yeah. and I'm still holding to it because, like, it just hmm. you don't release a Monster Hunter that's just a best <laughs> of on the 3DS that already has the previous two versions as best oving, <laughs> and then not make a port for the Switch when it comes out the same weekend, most likely. Because Switch is rumored in Europe, at least, is rumored to be coming March 17th. Well, by Thursday, we'll know or not, but. Monster Hunter Double Cross or XX, I think it's coming out literally like either the week before or that exact same weekend. So I don't know what their problem is. Yeah, the the only other franchise I could think of is just Resident Evil because those were the only yeah. ones I got another console for to play for. Well, not for five and six. And Resident Evil has an established history of doing well yeah, on Nintendo yeah, platforms. Exactly. The, the tricky but, thing is VR. Yeah. If I mean, the headset comes true, then. Yeah. I mean, yeah, they're all Capcom franchises. I don't know. They just make really good third party games, I guess. Because the first party, eh, yeah, whatever, yeah, you want to call them. The funny thing about this is, like, we could probably take any major third-party franchise and do like a six degrees of Kevin Bacon of sorts and show how you could get a Nintendo fan to potentially have Almost interest in that game. Every major third-party game was on Nintendo at some point. It feels yeah. like I don't even mean just that, but like, if you were to say, I don't know, uh, Destiny, if you were to say Destiny. There is probably a way that you can weave it back and be like, well, if Nintendo puts out Metroid, that get people interested in a first-person game. Conduit? On the, on the... They tried. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that was that was something. Conduit actually sold well enough to get a sequel. So, mm. But, um, yeah, you could, you know, in theory with Destiny, I'm totally spitballing this. I don't know if this actually makes sense. But you could uh, put Metroid Prime on Switch, right? That gets Nintendo fans interested in the shooter stuff. Then maybe do some sort of cross-promotional thing with Activision for actually just straight for destiny there you go <laughs> uh i mean granted this is really general generalizing and all this like bridge building stuff i'm talking about it's a, again a lot of ifs but the point is nintendo fans are not that ridiculous about only buying nintendo games you could go look at the wii and see that a lot of third-party stuff that kind of resonated with a nintendo vibe you know like uh or elibits uh the blob 
block. What was the EA one? Block, block, blockbuster, block, boom blocks, boom blocks. All those. <laughs> now all three of those series have a very. It was a blockbuster. Tag, it was a blockbuster. The first one. Um, second one, no. But like all those did well. So if the Switch, and you could argue well, that's because the Switch had so many more people, which is true. But if you can somehow replicate that with the Switch. You can probably get people to try out your other stuff. That's why the Wii had such a massive amount of third-party games. Some were bad, but a lot were good, and people bought them. The Wii had an insane attach rate. It was like nine games per person or something. So, like, it's possible. The point is it's possible. And with Wii U, they didn't try. And with GameCube, they didn't try because all they did was try to entice people to bring over whatever they had, however they had it. But if they can do some sort of thing like with Ubisoft, there's hope. Yeah. That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. And I think 2016 is the year we're going to see that. Uh, and just to prove, I mean, twenty seventeen. Thank you. Yes, twenty seventeen. And just to prove I'm not totally crazy about this theory, we already got a new third party Switch game announcement. It's a new multi platform release that will be on Xbox One, PS4, PC, and Switch all simultaneously in May, and what? that is Rime, R I M E, which previously was a PS4 exclusive, but is now coming to Switch and those other guys. So see, see if you make something that looks like it would resonate well with a potential Nintendo fan base. Look at that. You can put it on Switch. Um, so Rhyme is actually developed by a team called Tequila Works, and it's described by them as a first-person puzzle adventure. You take control of this young boy. He wakes up on a mysterious island. You have to just uncover its various secrets and go through all these different chapters, yeah, yeah, yeah. But the thing looks really cool. It's kind of like it has a Team Ico vibe, like Sony's Team Ico. kind of reminds me of the game they would make. There's no combat. You're only exploring. There are these chapters that are a few hours long, and you have to go down explore these different parts of the island and like interact with creatures and feed them and do environmental puzzles to kind of clear your way through there's no real dialogue it's all kind of just visual uh it's a lot like it kind of reminds me do you remember lost in blue on the ds by hudson and konami yeah. where so that one you had two people and you had a few charge. ds games right yeah they had three of them i believe yeah. and um basically you're stuck on this island you had to kind of forge for yourself this almost feels like um rhyme almost feels like lost in blue if you're solo mixed with last guardian like it's sort of that like it has a very the aesthetic's kind of reminiscent it's like last guardian if it was set in the mediterranean or another way to put it is breath of the wild but without it looks like breath of the wild but without outlines around anything so it's almost like a samurai jack sort of like just color mm. colors forming things but uh yeah it looks kind of cool i'm intrigued to learn more it's uh, i kind of want to know how varied the gameplay would be because honestly the one thing that i could see being an issue is it could get really redundant like if all you're doing is like oh you fed a wolf and he cleared the path for you or you pulled a lever and it lowered a bridge like that could get even no matter how cool the graphics are no matter how interesting the story may be or the cinematics that would still be relatively boring then you're just playing dragon's lair for a new generation basically so i kind of want to see just how deep it goes um it sounds like there's some sort of time travel element like there might be time related puzzles which would be kind of cool so We'll see. I mean, it comes out in May. We have time to see how it turns out. But it's just cool to see that the Switch is, in fact, receiving new multi-platform releases already before they even had the presentation. So there's one that potentially there's hope for. Um, yeah. What else? Now, there is one game we haven't talked about, actually, which yeah. we should probably touch on. It's a pretty big one. Um, you mentioned it, and then we sort of breezed past it because we were getting caught up. And this one actually... Going back to your fighting game thing, this one is probably more important to the esports world, or equally important as Street Fighter, and is the gateway to Street Fighter if it were to come back to Nintendo systems, and that is Smash Bros. So, it's been rumored for a while, I think, right? Like, yeah. better part of the year, that we're going to be getting a current version, a version of the current Smash enhanced on Switch 
one that in theory would have Wii U and 3DS combined into yeah. one version. Ultimate Smash Brothers for Switch. It'd be remastered. Uh, Definitive edition. We we previously here on the show were calling it Championship Edition because you yeah. had this theory that oh if they had the proper tournament mode and it's more esport uh, e- ready then it like they could just call it Championship Edition and it'd be perfect. Um, I imagine Nintendo's going to want to get this out relatively quickly. This is one we know nothing about. Some of the other I like hope, we've seen Splatoon, I we've seen this Mario one, Kart because it no longer has that. Uh, I mean, the whole, like, oh, Smash Bros. for Wii U or for 3DS. Like, if they do make this one, I hope it does have a proper kerfuffle No, it's going to be, it's for sure going to be Smash Bros. Yeah, for Switch, <laughs> for Nintendo Switch. But uh, just, if nothing else, to prove that's the same Smash Bros. If they yeah. change the name, it implies a whole new game. But uh, but a lot of people call it Smash 4, so I guess it would be 4.5 or something. Yeah, Smash 4.5. But uh, I imagine they want it out pretty quick, because I can't see Nintendo being keen with, like, Hey, Switch is out in March, and then everyone's watching Evo, and there's the Wii U. Like, you probably want Switch to have a big splash at Evo, especially if Splatoon's going to be a big eSport thing that they're pushing for. So I I could see it coming out in June if they have a way to play with GameCube controllers, and people could just hop right onto the Switch well, I mean, version. The Switch has USB controllers. Yeah, USB so, so it's possible, but that also butts into my idea from like half Wait, an hour ago. Wait, does it have one when it's not on the dock? Because if it no, doesn't, but for the sake of Evo, doesn't need it. <laughs> You're right. Uh, That's true. Very true. So the problem with me saying it could be out by June is that completely butts into my other idea that Mario Kart 8.5 would be out in late May. So then the question becomes: Would actually waiting a year would having a year where we use still the prominent system at Evo and not Switch? Would that be better for players? Like if players, let's say they don't have a GameCube controller adapter, at that point it's probably in Nintendo's best interest to give them time to train and not release it. This year and wait till twenty eighteen, I guess, and, and then I guess people have a year. Well, that is the ideal situation. If they don't have a way to get you to play, then leave the Wii U on. If they do, then if, if they then have a way to let you play it identically, to how you yeah, play that's before, idea, yeah, because yeah. because that's the thing. Like that's what's so weird about Smash. Like I don't think it's going to be there at launch. I really would be shocked if they show it at launch for Switch because why wasn't it in the trailer in that case? Like the reveal gave you a hint of the first slate of games. Why would Smash Bros. not make the cut unless it's not actually going to be there? So, like I said, my earliest guess is June if they could do the same controllers. If not, yeah, maybe 2018. But regardless of how it controls, I think one of the more interesting aspects of Smash is what new characters could be added. Because they do need to differentiate a little. Like, you can't just have all the characters from the Wii U and 3DS version be like, yep, here you go. We add a tournament mode, pay us $60. You need something extra. Like, I think... You need all the stages from the 3DS version on this yeah. thing. I think Actually, I think you need more than characters, now that I think about it. Yeah. I think you need, like, an actual differential I feel you need feature. stages. You need the a competent local tournament mode, not the online one that was just a mess. You also need... This is going to be one that's a little less so, but if Splatoon can go to having a local multiplayer mode, I think Smash can go for sake of giving you something new to do. It's multiplayer is fully flushed out outside of tournament mode. They could give it a single player mode again, like a real one, not whatever more than that anything, was. Like if they actually want it to be all esportsy and whatever, they need to have a ranked online multiplayer mode. You cannot like proper rank. Yeah, you cannot have the power rankings or whatever that basically meant nothing and then go to for glory and still have it mean nothing. Like it's you, <laughs> like yeah. you, you need a sense of progression because you just get randomly shuffled with some people that probably just got their Wii U for Christmas, which is not fair to them because I definitely played some people that you could tell just got the game and it was like, oh, this is not fun for them. We also last week played some people who um, insisted on only Falcon punching us for the entire match and it was not as enjoyable for us as it probably was for them. 
Yeah, I mean, we still won, but it wasn't a satisfying victory. It was just like, well, I mean... Like, cool, trolls. I mean, yeah, you just need a ranking system. They have to get over there, like, oh, we don't want to hurt people's feelings. But, I mean, they clearly don't care in Mario Kart. I mean, that had a ranking system. Yeah, that's the thing I don't understand, is... Like Maybe this, we're in the new Nintendo's eSports-centric world where they don't care about hurting people's feelings, but, like... Which came out you first, have... Smash or Mario Kart 8? Huh. Uh, Mario Kart. Wait. That makes less sense, then. Wait, let me double-check that. But, I mean, I don't know. This could have been a personal Sakurai gripe because he's like, I want, I didn't want he's to make it. He's a control freak. Yeah, like, I mean that usually with the utmost respect, yeah, but in this case, I mean, like, so. Yeah, I mean, he always... Example of how he didn't really want to make a competitive game. This was a party game first, so I could see him not wanting to put a ranking system. I wonder how much of that was Nintendo forcing him to make it competitive. But, I don't know. Let's see if he... Mario I Kart feel like he 8. has to change his tune. Mario Kart 8 came out first by six months. Mm. I mean, not enough time for them to Five months. implemented that, probably. But, I mean... They were able to add modes to the DLC and all this other stuff, so, I mean, so, they could so, have retroactively if they added were, it. if they were to do a championship edition, which would undermine my whole point that they should have a better single-player mode, but if they were, and maybe Smash Runs in HD, that'd be fun just to have. Uh, they're not practical, Smash Runs, but they're kind oh, of fun. I have an awesome um, mode, like, they teeth, like, especially with, um, what was that mode that was kind of like a board game called? Not Smash Runs. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about, <laughs> it right? It was called Not Smash Run. Yeah, it was... Uh, it was no, called... it was Smash Run. No. No, it wasn't Smash Run. It You're was... right. It was... I'll look that up, too. Well, Smash that Smash mo- Bros. I'm typing Google out loud. 3DS modes. No, it was a Wii U mode. Smash Bros. <laughs> Wii U mode. It was their existing mode. Uh, Smash Tour. Smash Tour. Yeah, that's what it was. Well, at the end of Smash Tour... You know, it's funny. I still don't see it on the results, so you, good thing you thought of it. Anyway. Well, Smash Tour, at the end of it, pretty much you spend the whole board game collecting characters and at the end you have a free-for-all with those characters and whatever power-ups you have mm-hmm. so instead of having lives your lives would be comprised of like all right the first character that goes out is ganondorf he dies all right and then comes peach she dies and then comes marth like they need to have a mode where you could set like basically a marvel's capcom you set it to three characters and then you pick three different characters and those represent your thoughts i feel like yeah. that would change it enough for it to be really interesting i mean that just sounds cool it's almost like pokemon like you pick a team of Oh yeah, so many your party. Yeah. So it's like, all right, who do I want to be my anchor? Who's gonna be my my last one coming? Who's gonna be my starter? It's it almost gives it a whole new I don't know way to play. It just makes it really exciting. Like I wish, like, and if they had a ranking mode for that, I, that probably might be that probably be my preferred way to play. That would be because it's just more exciting than yeah. just doing like all Bowser, all whatever. Just like have all my favorite characters in as a team, basically. It's almost like they're Marvel versus Capcoming it. Yeah, because Marvel versus Capcom, you pick a few and you can rotate them. Yeah, because I mean, or you have a secondary. And they had, and I mean, game. and Smash Tour showed that they did have a way to implement that. Just make it its own mode. I mean, people yeah. have already added that to their Smash Brawl Plus hacked mode, or their. And perhaps, uh, perhaps this is why we're not seeing Smash anytime soon. Like, perhaps that's why it wasn't in the Switch reveal, but may still be a 2017 release. Who knows? Maybe um, they could do it in October and then a new Mario in November. There's another possibility. Say, screw Evo, we're not going to hit that gar- guy, uh, that deadline. But that this, imagine if they had the triple whammy of like Pokemon Stars in. October, Smash in September, Mario in November. Because I'm going to assume if the new Mario for Switch is not coming at launch. Ah, but see, then they could do Mario for Switch in April or May. And still, that still just feels like they're kind of blowing their load too early. We haven't even talked about characters. And this was like a ton of modes that we've already... Well, smash need. it i guess the so takeaway is either modes it needs yeah it, not, not wants yeah. needs needs like, if this game doesn't have the like modes, rainbow road i love that stage the game boy stage in hd would be awesome 
Maybe it's just you're so excited right now. <laughs> like, no, you're genuinely like yeah. excited. No, there's nothing wrong with that. You went like, oh, yeah. over your heads. But uh, no, the, the oh no, this is just more disappointment that. Oh yeah, don't yeah. Have that the, the funny thing about Smash is like because we haven't seen it, that makes it feel like there's way, even though it's been rumored and it seems like the rumors are pointing to it actually happening, um, opposed to like oh they were testing Mario Maker, but that's probably not going to be a thing. Uh, there's a lot of potential here. Yeah. Even if they use the same engine and the same basic stages, this could be much more of a revamped than Mario Kart 8.5 which oh yeah it has a battle mode and it has two items and Splatoon oh yeah it has local multiplayer and it has Octolings rumored uh well all this is rumors but you yeah know I mean like, well I wouldn't uh, mind if they don't add any more characters I mean with the with I can the see cu- a MAGA few no I mean yeah like I mean with the cut ties from the 3DS like holding them back like at this point ice they climber. might yeah they should have to add ice climber they already said they had them working so why not have and, and to be honest, just throw Wolf in there. That was really rude to Wolf. Like, he's I mean, the only character that didn't make the jump for no reason. I know, exactly. Throw Wolf in there. Makes sense that Snake won't be coming back. But, yeah. like, throw Wolf in there. Throw in those rumored... Um, choir Boys. Yeah, Choir Boys because of the same reason that the Ice Climbers couldn't make you it. You know who else would be a good fit, to be honest? Rayman. He has three yeah. trophies in the game. Rabbids Cross Mario like is going to be an RPG. It's going to be a big thing for Nintendo and Ubisoft. Rayman would make just sense. Just put Rayman in there. And Inkling makes too much I sense. I think Inkling... Honestly, I throw in Box Boys and Assist Trophy. Uh, Box Boy would be great. His name's Quibby, by the QB, QB, by the way. Box Boy is the game. QB is the guy. Fine, he's getting Metroid. You, yeah, you're basically like throwing Metroid. You know what? You should you should add uh you should add F Zero. That guy's pretty cool, even though he's already in it. Uh, but no, uh, as I say, Inkling I think is the biggest duh. My if I'd predict one character, it wouldn't even be Ice Climbers. It wouldn't even be Wolf. Even though that makes more sense, want... it would be Inkling because yeah. somehow Splatoon has gone from being nothing. To a triple A Nintendo franchise in eighteen months, that's insane. Like you, Jack Pacific, they put out their world Nintendo toys, and it's always like, oh, Mario, Zelda, Donkey Kong, Metroid, Splatoon. It's already that. It already reached that bar. It's yeah. so crazy how fast Splatoon. I mean, grew they up. could throw Namco another bone, let them put another their characters in there, but. Who would you even put from Namco? I can't even think of like one of the Tekken guys. Well, like they do with the slick back hair. Well, like, I mean, they could even put one of the Tekken guys if they're going to put Tekken but, Seven. Like, who on else them. would they? Well, I mean, they already gave us like the costume for Lloyd from Tails. I feel like he's like the only one that makes the most sense. Yeah, but he's almost too far removed. He'll be three generations removed in game consoles. Mm. They did get an HD remake of Tales of Symphonia last generation, not Nintendo. Yeah, it's like who's they? I didn't. I don't know, PS, <laughs> PS3 uh, owners uh, and. So See, they, that could come to Switch. I know, that's And that's another, going back to my whole bridging the gap thing, that's another example of a game that they know resonates with Nintendo fans. Uh, I mean, saying, I don't want to shove more Capcom say? characters into it, but I feel like just a Monster Hunter or just one of the cats would make a lot of sense. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that'd be good. Of all the support, I mean... At least it's a sister. Yeah, they're just so... I mean, Phoenix Wright. Even, yeah, well, yeah, Phoenix Wright. Yeah, but I mean, he's already come out in a game and I doubt. Yeah. He would make more sense in Smash Bros. than he did in Marvel vs. Capcom. But I feel like just the Monster Hunter in general and just would be awesome because yeah, it's just that, so like i mean cool. they have so many weapons to work with it'd almost be like a i don't know like a link hybrid with a bunch of other tools and stuff but would it make sense for any of the sun and moon pokemon to make the jump definitely with stars definitely like if stars de- de- i feel like decidua is like the most the one that makes the most sense to me like we already have the fire starter the water starter now we need the grass starter from the newest game and he does look like a fight like he looks like he's ready to be yeah in like game. he has his projector like he just he just he was definitely the most popular one like kind of like greninja they predicted he would be the most popular one so they just went with him which is really odd that they're able to call that so well because they also were going to make not pikachu the mascot of pokemon yeah when pokemon first started if i remember correctly clefairy, yeah, clefairy. was in the, was the front runner and then they just sort of tossed pikachu out there and obviously we now know pikachu is the biggest thing ever 
But yeah, I, feel like they I don't know how they got Greninja right if they got Pikachu so wrong a decade earlier. Yeah, they have to have a, um, a Sun and Moon Pokemon representation. Yeah. And I feel like it would have to be Decidueye. Yeah, yeah. But so I know, there's a lot... Final Smash is already his Z-move. Oh, yeah, done. duh, yeah. yeah. So there, so it's they could use the exact same cutscene. <laughs> so really, Smash, more than any other game... Wow, how we... many characters did we just add? We had like seven or eight or nine. But, uh, and at least like five that seem like a given. Yeah, yeah. But I, it's, it's interesting that... Smash more than anything else. When we first heard the rumors about Smash coming to Switch, so go back in our episodes like six months ago, seven months ago, I feel like we were both like, what? There's nothing. Oh, the Wii U wants attention. Aww. I figured that it does that. Why does it know? It just does that every hour on the day? It, the, the gamepad just give us an alert. Or so, it looks like Pikmin 3? No, it's our alert for trying free demos on the Wii U. It's really desperate for attention. It's I got this alert last night. So um, it is. There is something funny about it. we're sitting here talking about. Oh, dude! Imagine how great, how much better Smash would be on the <laughs> Switch. And the Wii U's just like, hey, guys, hey, hey, hi, I'm here. Yeah, I'm waiting for the day that the the Wii U pushes a Switch notification. That's gonna be the <laughs> saddest day ever. Cause like it's literally crying from it's calling they out. They're already this... put out a Switch notification for, for the review. Trailer. I never got it. Like did they, you? I feel like they've had one of those. I saw. That, I think it was Europe that did that. I saw America. the presentation. Or something. Noe did it, but it's literally the Wii U's calling to us from its deathbed. How sad! But um, <clears throat> excuse me. But what was I gonna say? Yeah, it's funny because when what I was starting to say is when Switch, when the Smash Rooms first came out, we were both like, "Why? What are they gonna?" I guess new characters. But now, with keeping the same engine, we just rattled off like so many reasons they should make a new Smash. Like this could actually be more of a step up than I think anyone's thinking, which is really cool. So. Mm-hmm. Presumably, we'll maybe get a hint of what Smash will be, or see the whole thing at the presentation on Thursday. Um, maybe Smash is the long shot of it all, but I think a lot of the other stuff we discussed, not just here in this episode, but everything since we talked about the Switch being unveiled back in October, I think a lot of that's going to be coming to fru- uh, fruition in the, at the event in a few days. It's certainly going to be f- fun to watch. It might be hard to follow, but it's going to be fun to watch. Because, uh, so... Tsumi Kimishima, who's Nintendo's global president, he is the one that will actually be hosting it. I believe it's his first consumer-facing Nintendo event. I think this is the first time he has, not to investors, not to business people, but to us, the fans, directly spoken to us. It's, he's been president for about a year, and he's only now, more than a year, you're, you're in some change, and he's only now doing it. But because of that, he's not, from what I gathered when I met him at E3, he's not as comfortable speaking in english as i wanted who's very comfortable with it so as such it sounds like we're gonna be getting a japanese presentation with english voiceover which means it's gonna be a little awkward to follow there might be some weird flubs but it should still we're still gonna get a lot of information rumors are pointing to it being very info heavy a lot of game details a lot of hardware feature details first look at the system interface which now that i say it out loud i realize we know absolutely nothing about at all we don't know if they're gonna do like a wara wara plaza equivalent which, for those who don't remember that ridiculous name, that is the home screen of the Wii U. Uh, we all know if they're going to do like something more like channels on Wii. We have no idea. Will there be friend codes? Probably not, but who knows. But So we're going to get a sense of all that come Thursday. And to give you a sense of scale for this whole thing, it's also that same live stream a day later we'll be playing uh, big band and Nintendo music concerts that will be happening at the same Tokyo venue as the Switch. So this is like a huge thing. And then here in the U.S., the morning after the Switch presentation, which if you don't know is 8 p.m. Pacific, 11 p.m. Eastern, there will be Treehouse Live the next morning showing off all the games we just saw the night before in depth. And that's going to happen at 6.30 a.m. Pacific, 
9.30 a.m. Eastern. So and I was expecting people kind of pulling all-nighter if you live on the East Coast and uh, or get like three hours of sleep and then just go ballistic for the Switch. They're hoping you get so delusional from lack of sleep that no matter what they tell you, it's going to sound like the best thing ever. That's my theory. Hmm. Uh, it's basically E3 in January. It's going to be really fun, I think. Like, we've never seen Nintendo do something of this scale outside of E3. So it's, it's in Space World, maybe, which, you know, that's like deep back yeah, in 2000. Yeah, this time definitely makes it feel like, oh, it's coming out in January. But like, no, we still have three more yeah, months. Yeah, then we have two more months. Yeah. But, but as soon as this, after this, it's all just, the ball's just rolling full speed. Like, then the uh, hands-on events happen, then the press impressions come out, then all that. So we'll talk a little bit at the end of this episode about how we're going to be covering the event. But in the interim, we still have other 2017 predictions. Because we spent an hour talking about the Switch, but the Switch is only a while the biggest thing is only technically one of three prongs of Nintendo's 2017. There's also mobile, and there's even 3DS that I think probably still play crucial roles. So, um, to really get a sense, I guess we should start with mobile, because that's probably number two on the priority list. And to really get a sense of where mobile games for Nintendo may go in 2017, I think we actually have to look back at where Mario Run went three weeks ago when it came out. Yeah, it's, it's only been three weeks, in case you it feels like Mario Run's been out forever. It has literally only been three weeks. And last episode, we talked about Mario Run as a game and whether it was good or not and what our impressions were. It's like, okay, you're buying this Nintendo game. How is it? But now I think we have to look at it from the business side and be like, did it succeed at what it was trying to do? Did it not succeed? Because that is probably the main indicator of what Nintendo's going to do with mobile games this year opposed to last year where we obviously saw what they did. So to kind of give a little background for the conversation, uh, a report from this analytics firm named Nuzu came out and they are claiming that out of 90 million dollars of Mario Run, which, by the way, is insane. That's a really high number. Uh, that's the highest number. Uh, Nintendo has only made 30 million dollars. That means that approximately 3 million of those 90 million people actually paid the full 10 dollars to unlock the full game, which is a conversion rate of 3%. Hmm. Now, before anyone goes, oh my god, that's horrible, here's a comparison. A game like Candy Crush has a conversion rate of 2%. So it's not like Mario's failing extra hard. In fact, more people percentage-wise are buying into Mario Run than they're buying into Candy Crush, which was like one of the biggest games on iPhone in years. But what this does suggest is that Nintendo's idea of this whole pay once and get the full game method, like that entire approach, isn't inspiring folks to jump in oh, man. Have you nearly as much reviews? as Nintendo wanted it to. Yeah. Have you read some of these reviews on the iTunes store? It's I've, I've read a, I've read a handful of them. Like usually the negative ones, because the positive ones just make sense. Like oh, blah blah blah, you pay for the game, you yeah. get a product. Like okay, yeah. But then the ones that like, I guess some of them just don't don't get the concept of. I don't know. I guess they're just too used to the free to play formula that. And we totally it, called it, that this was going to yeah, happen. Yeah, it's like they don't see it as like, oh, it's a demo because like demos are a thing. Mm-hmm. Like, like the first few levels are a demo, and then you pay for it. Like, oh, I played three levels, and they asked me for ten, like ten bucks. Like the, the audacity, blah blah blah. How dare they? Do they know who they're charging to? It's like what happened <laughs> to the good old days when I'm not bombarded to ask with like. They have to pay for money. Like, yes, you are all the time, but I guess that's why ninety nine cents here, ninety nine. I know, yeah, that, that's why. Like, I was, I was literally kind of shocked, like, by how many. I mean, I guess I just never really bothered to look at the the mobile games environment too much. This is like the first time I really actually like dove in and looked at what people were actually thinking about this, yeah. and it. I was kind of shocked. I didn't realize it was this bad. I knew, yeah, I knew the mentality. I shifted to like, oh, ninety nine cents game, cheaper games, but or free to play. Jeez. Well, here's an interesting stat I read. 
So according to, so there's this game um, research firm, marketing research firm called EEDAR. All they do is electronic entertainment market research, hence the EE. They say that 90% of App Store revenue, 9-0, is from free-to-play titles, not premium ones. So immediately, by doing what Nintendo did, while technically it is free, by doing what they did where you pay up front like this, they are working with only a tenth of the potential money mm. and revenue that they could have had now i personally think so they, they had an uphill battle from the start in other words mm-hmm. i personally think they this is the way to go i don't like the being nudged every 10 seconds thing but i think there are ways they could have done it where yeah, either, I mean, maybe like, the price point is off or maybe they do it like pokemon go in like some way where it's a go, less, like, or hearthstone where it's less in your yeah, face neither of those ever really like Nudge you like, oh, pay some money now. It's just um, they give you plenty of freebie opportunities. Like Hearthstone gives you coins every once in a while. Pokemon yeah. Go gives you all the Pokestops you can visit. So like with some effort, you can get all the in-game money you need to experience the game in full. It's only for those that are getting a little more impatient or that are just like, you know what? I've played this game enough. I feel obli- like obliged to support it some. Oh my god, it's like... So Out of curiosity, you... I played um, My Singing Monster because YouTube kept bombarding me with advertisement for this game. They're I, not... by the way, have never seen a single ad for that game. Maybe because I have an ad blocker. Maybe because I just have managed to avoid it. So when you sent it to me... Yeah, I, I always thought it was just a, kind of like a joke. Like, wow, this looks ridiculous. Um, so he... So I ended up downloading it, and then I sent Jason a friend request just out of... Just Which for... I didn't even get. So My Singing Monster, by the way, if you send a friend request, you know what it does? Hey... You should download this game, and then it just I thought it was really link, cool. It emails you a link to the App Store, and you can't accept the friend request because it's just a link to the App Store. You have no way of ever accepting the friend request. Like I signed it with Game Center, no friend request. But anyway, I played it. So you sent it to me, and you were like, "Oh, just do this for me. Get to like the third monster, and I'll get yeah. a bunch of diamonds." And like, I had already deleted the game by this point, by the way. Yeah, so he was kind of trolling me a little. But he, so he sent it to me. I played for thirty seconds, thirty seconds, three zero, like half a minute, and in that half a minute. Of booting up the game and starting it, it's already like, would you like to wait to proceed? Or like, would you like to wait for your monster to grow? Or do you want to use a diamond to speed up the process? And I'm like, oh god. And sure enough, played for another thirty seconds, two more times. Do you want to speed up the process with a diamond? Uh, sure. Yeah, you should cut down a tree. Do you want to wait for the tree to cut down, or do you want to use a diamond? Then they only give you like ten diamonds. Yeah. So obviously, yeah. So basically, the... what that means is within five minutes of playing the game, if you play for the five minutes and use the diamonds as it's encouraging you to do, you now have to start paying. Yeah, because and after... here's the thing about Mario Run. You have about 12 to 15 minutes, depending on how you go about those levels, before you have to start paying. So how is it, at an abstract level, that Mario Run, which gives you double to triple uh, time before you have to put down a penny, is so much more bashed than My Singing Monster, where within five minutes they are telling you to put down money. Or to come back tomorrow, which is almost worse. (laughs) Yeah, like if you use your diamonds to get all the monsters you can get, which is three at the beginning... You get this. I mean, it's literally just a waiting game. There's no actual game that you're just yeah. waiting, and, and, we, and and you're increasing your research so you could just wait a little less. But at some point, every monster after you can only buy with diamonds. Yeah. So, and yeah. The, and the frustrating thing is, we all saw this coming, and Nintendo still was like, "Nah, we got this." Like we, I have a tweet I can read out loud, which I'm not gonna do, where I'm literally like, "Will it matter?" Is this price too high? Like, if uh, if I'm a mobile gamer and I'm in the mindset of those people writing the reviews you're talking about, and I see I pay $10 versus buy a diamond for $0.99 cents or invite five Facebook friends, 
I'm going to balk at that. Like, what? There is a threshold, and I think Nintendo learned it. There is a threshold where people are not going to pay anymore. I think Minecraft at seven or eight bucks might be the max you can go. Yeah. So, I, I don't like Mario deserves. I mean, do you feel it's worth ten dollars? You, we last episode we talked about how it was as a game, but I specifically even said in that episode, like, let's not worry about the pricing controversy. Just what is it? If you buy in, are you getting what a fun experience? But now we're three weeks removed. We played it some more. Is it a fun experience that's ten dollars of fun, or is it a fun experience, fun experience that's like seven or eight dollars of fun? And it, and I, I to add a little like parentheses around that question or a little asterisk to it. As a mobile gamer, do you feel it's worth whatever price it is versus us as Nintendo fans who are coming in willing to pay a I premium? I mean, as a Nintendo fan, three weeks later, I still feel it was worth the ten bucks. But see, I'm in the same boat. But I still feel like um. But then, but as a Nintendo fan, looking at mobile gamers, they were like, "Yeah, I feel like they should have priced it at like seven ninety nine." Yeah, just to... I think I think five would have been the sweet spot. Yeah, but, but then you but have as to. A, but as a mobile gamer, even I... five's asking a lot. As a mobile gamer, yeah, what they should have done? Because like I don't know, it's just you can't. I don't know. I guess because it's an actual game, like I feel like a lot of their a lot of the free to play games are kind of like my thing and monster. Like some are definitely not as scummy as these. Because, I mean, there are still a lot of waiting mechanics, like the tap-out games or all those games. Like, there's still a ton of waiting. It's all waiting. But some of those are definitely more SimCity-ish, where there's still some strategy to where you put yeah. things and stuff like that. Yeah. But... What well, well, I think is interesting, like, if you look at Nintendo's... If you look at Mario Run versus Pokemon Go, I think what we're going to see is that in 2017, Nintendo's going to be really experimenting with pricing and structure of pricing way more. Because they had Mitomo, which was kind of a free-to-play traditional one in a way. They had Mario, which was this crazy scheme. And they had Pokemon Go, which was somewhere in the middle. And if you look at how Pokemon Go did... So Mario Run and Pokemon Go are both two hugely popular apps, right? They both have made vastly different amounts of money, though. So Pokemon Go, in its first 90 days, made $600 million. Mario Run, if it keeps its uh, conversion rate at 3%, Imagine how many hundreds of millions of more downloads it would need to even get close to being able to make $600 million. Now, granted, they are different experiences, but from Nintendo's perspective, they kind of have the same underlying goal, which is brand awareness about the properties. Of course, they're going to make money on the side. Of course, Nintendo wants to make money on the side through Pokemon and through this. But the, the thing they keep telling investors is this is a way for us to expand our brand and get people to kind of siphon back into our main devices. It worked with Pokemon. We saw the Halo effect, Pokemon sale game sales went up 3ds sales went up like 19 percent uh we don't know if mario run's gonna do the same but if you look at that and you go okay so we have two games that in theory are both boosting hardware and one made 600 million dollars off fewer downloads than the one that made 30 million dollars off more downloads regardless of the type of game they are if you're nintendo you have to be like okay how do we meet in the middle on this or how do we like bridge the how, I keep saying bridge the gap this episode, but like, how do we, what's the, how we do this for Fire Emblem and Animal Crossing in a way that we can make more money without going full My Singing Monster? Because I don't think Nintendo wants to go full My Singing Monster. If you look at any of the free-to-play stuff they've ever done, Rusty's Real Deal Baseball, any of that sort of thing, uh, Badge Arcade, uh, even Mitomo, if you look at any of that, none of them are the stupid time-sensitive, like, you have to invite your friend and you have to, within 10 seconds, pay and they're, Nintendo's always like one step removed from ever doing that. So 2017, I think, is really the year where we're going to see whether or not they bite the bullet and go full free-to-play, which I hope they don't, 
or whether they start experimenting more or what. But yeah, because it's it's a weird situation. Because you're right, Pokemon Go and Mario Run are very. Because you're saying this before, right? That Pokemon Go and Mario Run are very different experiences. They're very different, but I yeah. feel like they handle their pricing pretty fairly as far yeah. as mobile games yeah, go. Yeah, because I, I could see Fire Emblem easily... Actually, no, I could see Animal Crossing doing a Mitomo setup. I could see Animal Crossing doing a thing where you get tickets and you can buy more tickets if you want or more coins, get more items or whatever it may be. But you could also get them through more natural, normal means. And I could see Fire Emblem almost going more of the Mario Run route where maybe instead of paying 10 bucks up front, they divide the chapters. They pay $2 a chapter, and you get as many chapters as you want, or something and like they're that. they're going to have a My Kingdom section, just like in Fire Emblem yeah. Face. I mean, isn't there already like there a is. little sim? You make a little town. It's my town. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, like, I can see how they can kind of meet in the middle with these, but it's just... It's just weird. It's just weird how so many people are so against Mario Run's pricing. Mm. They should have just made it pay up front. I think they learned a lesson from it. Like, and, and the funny thing is we're acting like it's so horrible. It's still 1% higher than what Candy Crush gets as a free-to-play game. But you hit a bit more of a ceiling when only 10% of revenue on the App Store is given yeah, to this Yeah, because the potential was so The potential was so much higher. And I don't even know. Maybe Nintendo's hat. Maybe they're going to make so much money off the, um, the Halo effect of this that they don't care. But at, just looking at it face value like this, it does look like Mario Run underperformed, weirdly. Even though it was one of the top 10 most downloaded games of 2016. Even though it was literally the fastest downloaded game in App Store. Fastest downloaded app in App Store history. Even though it literally was everywhere. You could not not see Mario run somewhere. Like, you go to Best Buy and you're looking at the gift card shelf. Oh, there's an ad for iTunes. Oh, Mario's on it randomly. Because where you get Mario? App Store. What powers an App Store? iTunes gift cards. So, like, no matter where you go, Mario's there. But, it, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what happens. And the fun, the funny part about this is Nintendo has, like, this never-ending stream of games to keep trying these pricing schemes on because we, we breezed over this very briefly last episode, but Kimishima said in year-end interviews over in Japan that Nintendo is planning to make two to three mobile games every year for years to come. So Mario, Mitomo, that was 2016. Fire Emblem, Animal Crossing, that's 2017. That's just the tip of the iceberg. So I could see other pricing schemes popping up out of nowhere, really, depending on you know the property or what they choose to do with it or how they choose to utilize it. That could mean that we don't see something like Pokemon Go. We don't see which was very fair. I agree. I think Pokemon Go is probably the best. Pokemon Go is the one mobile game that got that was free to play that got me to pay. Hmm. Now part of that's because I'm a Pokemon fan, but part of that's because it was balanced well. Sure, there's a couple money grabbing things like with the eggs, but then they did events to counterbalance that, so it actually worked out okay. So if Nintendo were to go that route, maybe I'd do it again. But we may see things that aren't like Pokemon Go, aren't like Mario Run, aren't like anything we've seen Nintendo do, but aren't as horrible as My Singing Monster. And if so, that could be kind of cool. Which then opens up a whole second question of what could Nintendo bring? If they're doing two or three games a year, what other games would they... Like, what would make sense on mobile? Not necessarily what would be like what we want to see on mobile, but what do you think... Are there any games you think should or should never come to mobile? Like, for me... I think this, I, this is a cheating answer because Fire Emblem already is. Advanced Smash Wars. Brothers card battles. <laughs> oh, gosh, your Hearthstone thing all over again. <laughs> and you'll never let it die. But, uh, no, I was going to say that for me, um, Advanced Wars. No, but seriously, I feel like every other Oh, yeah, company, cards are big. Yeah, it's making their own Hearthstone. Like, Skylanders has their own Hearthstone equivalent. Yeah. Kung Fu Panda has their own Hearthstone equivalent. Why? Um, what, 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 wait, 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 wait. Skylanders, I get. Hearthstone, Activision, Skylanders, Activision. Okay. Kung Fu Panda? Yeah, Why? This, this is definitely more copy paste from Hearthstone though. That's I don't know. that's wow. Um, okay. Fox just made their own Hearthstone equivalent that you could use like a Homer card or a Family oh, Guy card man. or a 
Bob's Burgers card. Remember when all the cheap licensed games were just platformers? What a simpler time that plant was. Plants vs. Zombies just made their own Hearthstone oh, equivalent no. also, where you could play as a plant class or a zombie class, oh, and you get no. cards based on that. So Hearthstone <laughs> definitely is... It's a good business model. Yeah. It is. But like, so so a Nintendo... You know, honestly, that begs the question, why don't they just make Pokemon train card game a digital thing where you... They sort of have a PC game and an online game. Make an app, let you scan in your card, we talked about this as a thing that would yeah, be cool on 3DS back times, in the day. Yeah. Or Wii U even. Or Switch even. <laughs> Scan your Amiibo. Get yeah. your card that way. Yeah. No, seriously. Like, why? I mean, why... you have all these things here. I have over 50 Amiibo. Why can't I do anything with them that actually is meaningful? Like, mm. I love them. I, I, I hug them all good night every night. But why can't I do anything with them after I do that? There's no, there's nothing to do with them. So that would be a good use. But I honestly think Pokemon Train Card Game would be great. Oh, yeah, that would be good, too. Yeah, because if, if they yeah, just put they, a QR code on the bottom of every... It does, sort of, but it's not an app. You, have, you do it on PC, you do it online. They should build it into Pokemon an app. Co-Master, and then they can... I keep hearing about Yes, yeah, so Pokemon Co-Master is an arcade-based thing over in Japan that's some sort of, like... I don't know. It's like Pogs. It's <laughs> <laughs> like little Pokemon figurines. Yeah, though. and then you, like, place them. It's like chat. It's like... You know what? It's like, it's like Heroescape at first glance. Hmm. A bit less complicated. Because <laughs> here escape, like how long do you usually take to set the map? Like, uh, two days, a couple. Yeah. But yeah, it's um, it's like a less complicated that. But even that, they could bring that over. But no, but in terms of new stuff, I think I I, I again think this is a bit of a cheating answer. But I think Advance Wars would be a good fit. Because I mean, obviously, it would be similar to Fire Emblem. I would I would imagine you pay by campaign. Maybe they release free theme campaigns or certain times a year. But the real cool one would be asynchronous multiplayer. Where since the game is literally already a like turn-based multiplayer, same with Fire Emblem, both of them should have asynchronous multiplayer. You should be able to challenge whoever to a battle. Anyone on your My Nintendo friends you know to what a battle and go back and forth. There's actually Advance Wars knockoffs already on. Oh, I'm, I'm also season. cheating with this. I'm going back to the well with yeah. uh, Pokemon Battle Simulator. Just make all the Pokemon look like holograms, and it's like perfect, perfect asynchronous multiplayer. You just make a team, but... challenge someone. And then you just wait for them to do their turn. But the problem with that, and the problem with even my idea, is it cannibalizes the core games. These would be things that somehow augment them. Have it be a part like of Pokemon, Pokemon Go, like it's different, but have it similar. be a part of Pokemon Go, or just yeah. make it on your 3DS. Just make that a thing. You mean the Switch, pretty soon. That's true. Yeah. Or actually, no, 3DS. That'd be a good fit for 3DS. We'll get to that in a minute. But 3DS needs side games. I'll explain what I mean after we finish more. But you know another game that actually I mean, Pokemon Showdown already exists and it works well just as well on your phone. Yeah. But, I mean, if I could use something official, I'd rather use that. You know, I think it would actually be a good fit. And I'm curious what you think of this because you are a huge fan of the franchise. I think Rhythm Heaven could work pretty well yeah, on mobile. That almost be pre- It'd be another um, Mario Run situation. Yes, it would have to be. Which I think Advanced Wars would be. And even your Bow Simulator, similar, where it's more of a Mario Run than a Pokemon. Where it's yeah, you just pay similar, you. but... Kind of yeah. like the Pokedex. You just, pay, you just pay and do it. But yeah, Rhythm Heaven feels like a natural shoot. I honestly think even lesser things. I could see Rusty's Real Deal Baseball. I mentioned that a few minutes ago, but now I think about it, that would work well on mobile. You just have Rusty sell you individual mini games. The mini games can be themed around other Nintendo properties. I feel like the haggling would go really well with mobile gamers. They're like, the oh, they were going to charge me this much, but I got them down to Yes, like, no, seriously. Minutes. Like, this is why I love... this. When I was saying Nintendo Cup with crazy new ways to do pricing because they're releasing so many mobile games, that's exactly what I mean. Is like, Nintendo, no other company in the right mind turned haggling a price into a game. Nintendo can get away with it. And I think it'd be really cool on mobile. So, like... And then, like I was starting to say, you can have the individual baseball-related minigames star other Nintendo characters and kind of build it out as, like, a advertising thing. 
kind of like how Badge uh, Arcade does it, where you know it's the bunny hosts it, but there's badges for every franchise. Just have real deal baseball, where all the different baseball teams are different Nintendo characters, like Smash Bros. Baseball or something. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of things Nintendo could do in mobile that could be really interesting. So, so yeah, mobile, mobile. Why a not? One. Why not just like make photos with Mario an app? I mean, a oh, the photos of Mario are well, you know, Pokemon has a Pokemon map where you can make a fake. You can make oh, yeah, a, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I have it on my phone. I've never used it, but I have it. But yeah, I don't know why. There are so many things Nintendo could do with mobile that they're just not doing. Face Raiders. Mm, yeah. 3DS has the camera. Switch apparently does not. So just make Face Raiders some sort of weird augmented reality Almost Snapchat augmented filter style cool. thing and make it Nintendo branded and put Nintendo characters in it. It'd be kind of more like Mitomo, but there's all these. Point is, there's all these potential opportunities for mobile. So if everyone can just get over the hurdle of Mario Run being a first pass and still, again, having 1% higher conversion than a typical game in its situation, then there's hope for Nintendo Mobile 2017. I think Mario Run is good for what it is and a very good lesson for Nintendo that they need to further investigate pricing. But I don't think it deserved nearly the bashing it got from uh, investors and from analysts because Nintendo did not go in saying we want to make this our main profit generator. They went in saying we want to make a Mario game and get people to care about Mario more and they managed to make more money off Mario than Candy Crush made off its players. So, Or not more money, that's wrong. More Higher percentage of players gave them money. So that's you know, that, that says something. People are interested. It's just a matter of Nintendo figuring out the right way to do it. And I think to bring it back to the prediction idea, I think 2017 is going to be the year that they get closer to finding that sweet spot, whatever that may be. Yeah. You mentioned 3DS. That's the final thing. That's the final set of predictions there are. So 3DS, um, uh-huh. it's still chugging along. <laughs> like, it still exists. It will exist alongside the Switch. I, better, stand I, just by, one. I stand by my theory that it's going to be Nintendo's budget console in 2017. I talked about this episodes ago. And I think that means not just a potential price drop for 3DS. I think the price you got yours at, $99, is going to become the standard price. Switch will probably be like 250 or 200 and or maybe 300 And then yeah, 3DS will be 100 or one. Well, either way, I'd probably have to get the the one with the most memory available because I'm definitely going to go full digital this generation. Oh, are you? Yep. Interesting. Interesting. The Having Pokemon Sun as a digital game, and not to mention just a, bu- a bunch of other games that just make way more sense. Like, I'd rather have... Smash Brothers, Mario Kart, Splatoon, digital. Because I'd want yeah. them inside the console at all times. I don't want to have yeah. to switch them out. Yeah, they, well, that's another thing. We, all know, we all know like, if they're going to have different capacity. We'll know Thursday. This conversation may be moot in four days. But as of now, it's possible to go the 3S route and it has one set capacity and then you just get really big SD cards. Well, either way. Which would, I would be have the better to, route. I think yeah. the fewer SKUs, the better. It gets confusing with more SKUs. And oh, they're yeah. so clean with their messaging. And isn't that... it also just like cheaper for them in the long run to just have one SKU? Why yes, make that's why they phased out the white Wii U so fast. It's mm-hmm. much cheaper. Uh, but yeah, so 3DS, um, I think a price drops for sure, and I think what we're going to see is the majority of games, actually, I'm going to, I'll be bold here, I think all the games coming to 3DS in 2017, and if it extends to 2018 as rumors point, uh, I think all of those games are going to be coming from Nintendo's partners and not from Nintendo's, Nintendo themselves. We're already seeing it with, like, uh, uh, Pikmin for Nintendo 3DS, that is supposedly being developed by Zest, which is the maker of Yoshi's New Island and is not Nintendo itself. We are seeing Camelot single-handedly being the ones in charge of Mario Sports Superstars. We're seeing Ever Oasis specifically coming from the developers of the Zelda 3DS ports, uh, Grezzo. And we're seeing Poochie and Yoshi's Warrior World being ported by Goodfeel. None of these are first-party teams. 
none of these are games that Nintendo needs to put any of their actual primary developers on. <laughs> none, either, none of these are games I'm gonna buy. None of these are. <laughs> no, that's not true. I'm buying at least. Uh, I'm buying at least Pikmin for 3DS and maybe Sports Superstar. Oh, but the horses are kind of cool. I was always. Yeah, Ever Oasis yeah. seems interesting. Ever Oasis, I'm intrigued, but yeah. I don't think I care enough. No offense to Grezzo, because it's very clear that Grezzo was like, we'll port your Majora, we'll port your Ocarina, in return, can we please make this game we want to make? Well, and Tao's like, yes, you've done good work. <laughs> I mean, if if the game um, Pokemon Sun didn't exist, I'd probably get one of these, but because it does, and because I got it, and I'm getting back into competitive Pokemon playing, there's no hope for any of them. And, and not only that, but we're being a little hard on Like, the game, it doesn't mean the games aren't going to be no, good. Just because Nintendo themselves are it's not It's just like when them. Smash Bros. came out, like, around yeah. that, that, like, three four months that smash Bros. came out every other game might as well not have come out but yeah but i want to give an example specifically of what i mean like these games aren't bad just i mean custom tells not personal level obviously too yeah. it's not like yeah. yeah but like even though you're preoccupied with one thing yeah, i'm like oh the Wii looks really Nintendo. cool like if it yeah if i didn't have if we didn't already 100 percent the wii u one i probably would have double dipped yeah so what's cool about poochie and yoshi's Woolly world is well, first of all, to be clear, the port to 3DS is the exact same people that made the Wii U one. It's Goodfield. They are the same company. And to their credit, they're adding cool stuff, like actual cool stuff. So we knew about Mellow Mode, where you had little poochies follow Yoshi around. They'll show you the secrets if you don't know where they are. It's basically an easy mode. That's fine. But what we now know, or what we learned in December, is that there's also going to be a Poochie Dash mode. So you scan Poochie in, and you get this special like, time attack. I don't know if it's different levels or the same levels or what, but basically... It becomes an auto runner, and Poochie is gunning it at medium to slow speeds. And you uh, collect gems as he runs across, and you basically try and get through as much as you can, as fast as you can, and get as much as you can. Yeah. yeah. That so, so that looks kind of cool. And then also, um, it will leave you with a good feel. It will leave you with a good feel. Hey. And also, um, they're gonna let you customize Yoshi's for the first time. I know. Why wasn't that on the Wii U? Why was that customizing logos on any? Subsequent Mario Kart after Mario Kart DS. That was like because one of the too best many people things. drew phallic symbols and objects and just penises straight up. <laughs> That's why <laughs> only have them appear when you're racing with friends or I don't know. Yeah, there's there's work. I mean, them. if hackers could somehow figure out a way so that every time you customize like a Smash Bros. character, because that's like gone full force. Yeah. Um, like on Smash Wii, you could pretty much port any character you want now. Um, they only looked. They only look the way you custom them on your Wii U, but to the other person, they look the way they normally do. Well, maybe 8.5, Mario Kart 8.5 will fix this. Mm, I don't know. There will be a touchscreen on the Switch, supposedly. So. But but yeah, I was going to say that uh, also, obviously, the new Yoshi's Way World will support the newer Amiibo. So you can scan Animal Crossing and you go Splatoon Amiibo and Yoshi's will change. But what's nice about Good Feel is they're, they're, they are trying to make us feel good. They're going the extra mile. Uh, Poochie, wow, that's a tongue preserve. Poochie Amiibo support is actually going to be coming to the Wii U version. They're updating the Ooh. Wii U version so you can get huh. Poochie to get the like helper stuff. Now, here's the tricky thing. It's a bit of a catch-22. Because now that the Poochie stuff is coming to the Wii U, I but have the less auto, motivation. But not the auto-runner Poochie I don't stuff, huh? think so, but it is not clear from what I read. But here's where it gets extra tricky, is if they are putting even half of the Poochie stuff, I now have that much less motivation to double-dip on the 3DS one even though it has those super adorable 30 little uh, stop motion shorts with Yoshi and Poochie. They did upload some of them, so they're They already... are great. So they are so great. So if you're watching them, it's kind of giving you less reason to get even exactly. more. Yeah, right. Exactly. So now, yeah, so how it works is you'll buy the game in one day, every day, for 30 days, they'll release a new video. Uh, 
But now there's only 28 of them because you can watch two of them on YouTube. So I don't know. But they are, oh, they're so great. Do you see the one where Yoshi's like, oh, ride me like Mario rides me? Okay, that sounds really appropriate. <laughs> but ride me like Mario rides me, and Poochie just like, what? And then throws him on his back. Instead. Like, Yoshi like looks at all these pictures of like old Mario games where he's being ridden. and it's Oh, they're so adorable. If you haven't watched them, go to YouTube and watch them. Just saying. But but yeah, so like Poochie and Yoshi's World World is a good example of like, even though these games aren't by Nintendo themselves directly, they're still going to be decent products for the budget system. The, the, the real point, though, is that if all the rumors of 3DS going in 2018 are true, we're probably going to be seeing a lot more of these smaller side games from Nintendo's second-party teams and partners and whatnot. Like your Battle Simulator, when you said that a few minutes ago, I'm like, that'd be perfect on 3DS. This is what I was thinking. Like, they need, I don't want to call it filler, but they need spinoffs. This is the, like, spinoff period. The spinoff and the lessers. This is their chance to shine on 3DS. Because if you buy a 3DS at budget price, you could get the Nintendo Selects and Mario Kart and Mario 3D Land, all that for 20 bucks. But if you want something new... This is the I chance know, if they really want the Nintendo side, they can up. even give Battle Simulator a story. You could be playing as um, Professor Kukui because he does research on moves, so it could be him like testing out moves on the Sonic Simulator or something. You clearly thought about this. <laughs> uh, just right now. Uh, uh, yeah, but like it works, right? And and the thing is, like we've seen... exactly I didn't even have to think about it. it we, was like... Yeah, and we, and we've seen them do this already. We have seen this exact thing when the GBA overlapped with the DS when Game Boy Advance in 2005 had that year where it was its own thing. That was the year we got Drill Dozer. That was the year we got DK King of Swing. That was the year we got a pretty awesome port of Donkey Kong Country 3. In other words, we could see that sort of thing on 3DS in 2017 and some of 2018. And I would I would go as far as to say we'll probably see a new Kirby, but we did just get uh, Robobot, so we probably won't see a new Kirby. But I maybe this is a year for another weird DK game. I don't know. Or maybe we're finally getting uh, confirmation that the U.S. will get Box Boy Trilogy, which was announced in Japan last month comes with a custom QB uh, amiibo, and it comes with Box Boy, Box Box Boy, and the so far Japan only Goodbye Box Boy. Uh, all three of those eShop games on a single cartridge with QB amiibo. So that would be another thing where again it's by HAL, it's not by Nintendo themselves. They're not taking away from the Switch resources. It's a smaller project. They could do well on a budget system. It could happen. So like, are there? Is there anything on 3DS that we you still want on 3DS? Like, if you think about the fact that 3DS has 3D, it has the touch, the dual screen setup. We're moving away from that with Switch. So, is there anything left that 3DS still needs that this could be the year it happens? I like, mean, they gave me my Rhythm Heaven, and I mean, not not, not first party, but I mean, they gave me my Eighth Journey, my Monster Hunter, yeah. and then back to first party we get Smash Brothers, Mario Kart. There's nothing. See, for me, like I would love no, for no, them to surprise dub- me. I would love for them to. This one's gonna be totally out of nowhere. Custom Robo Arena 2. Like I said, Toy on Nowhere. So, Custom Robo Arena was on the DS in a, a year. I never played a Custom Robo game. Custom Robo was fun. Custom Robo Arena... So, Custom Robo was like... Custom Robo itself was a pretty simple... You, you, you battle these robots. They're in like this arena. This is a normal Custom Robo. It's like real-time battles. You're actually fighting. It's an action game, but in between it's kind of RPG elements. And a Custom Robo Arena on the DS went a step further by going full rpg it was like a it's like kind of a very simple but fun rpg where you had to build your custom robot and you had to go do things and instead of having pokemon battles or a typical turn-based battle you jump into a 3d little arena and you battle in there i for some reason really like it i don't know why like it's not the best game ever it's not the worst game ever it's just kind of a pretty fun game but it resonated with me and the great thing about Custom Robo is A, it's a dormant franchise, so it's a good time to bring it back. And B, it's made by Noise, not Nintendo. Nintendo published it, Noise made it. It's a Nintendo property developed by Noise. 
I don't think Noise is doing a whole lot with the Switch. I don't even know if Noise is doing anything at the moment. So, you know, if you want to make Custom Robo Arena 2, um, Noise, you have the attention of people on 3DS because there's not a whole lot else. So this is the type of game that I feel like would be a good fit. Even like a Drill Dozer 2 would be cool, but I figure Game Freak's busy with uh, Pokemon Stars if that becomes reality. So, yeah, so that's my personal wish. It's just that. And, and the, the advantage of doing it on dual screens versus a single screen is it makes some of the robot stuff a little easier, like navigating all the menus and customizing things and whatnot, because you could have what's going on on the top screen and then what you actually interface with on the bottom screen and kind of see them in real time and that sort of thing. So I would like to see that, but who knows? I think I think 2017 and 2018 is really going to be the year that 3DS gets those oddball games. The ones that, like, why does this exist? I don't know, but it is pretty fun. Like, that that's where we're at in its life. So, and games that Nintendo themselves just are green lighting opposed to actually making. So that's kind of my theory on that one. Um, I don't know if you feel the same way or what, but it, it feels... Well, I mean, it's exciting. And just random yeah. games. So. Yeah, yeah. It, it's kind of almost one of the more creative periods in a system's life when this happens. Because they just go like... Like, in GameCube days, in 2005 on GameCube, that's when we got Odama. That's when we got Donkey Kong Jungle Beat. That's when we got, like, you know, the more bizarro ones. So... There's hope that 3S might actually pull out something cool. Now, there's one system that will not, and we left it out of our predictions, and that's, of course, the Wii U. It already cried out in pain earlier in the podcast, but the poor thing barely made it through 2016, so I think it's safe to say, with the exception of Breath of the Wild. And, it's last breath. And, yes, it's last. It's dying breath, and perhaps an occasional indie game, like apparently Hive Jump, that multiplayer sort of side-scrolling no, actually, looks thing. Cool. it looks cool, but that's still coming to Wii U. They're like, no, we're doing it on Wii U, even though no one else is doing anything on Wii U. So that's still coming. I'm sure a few other indie games are on the way. Besides that, I think it's safe to say the system's dead. The bummer is that it didn't have to be dead quite yet, because apparently Nintendo actually still had games in development. They chose to cut their losses and just not do anything with them, which I can't fault them for. The system's dead. But they did very abruptly start, stop work on a couple projects, one of which got leaked, which is a Crashmo world. So in the same way that Pushmo World was kind of an enhanced Pushmo, Crashmo World was going to be an enhanced Crashmo. Crashmo. <laughs> and and uh, Intelligent Systems was working on it starting back in 2014. And then 2015, they finished up Paper Mario Color Splash. And they were just like, you know what? We're jumping to Switch. And they just shelved Crashmo World. They didn't even bring it to Switch. They just shelved it. I guess because the Pushmo and Crashmo rely somewhat on the dual screen setup that those two systems offer. So they're just like, you know what? Now I'm going to port it. Which is a bummer because would have been a nice little extra thing to have on Wii U while we wait for Switch. They could have released it like literally right now. We have nothing to play between now and March, except Pokemon Sun in your case, and in my case. But uh, yeah, they could have thrown it out there and maybe made some Have you been playing bucks. it? Somewhat. Uh, <laughs> but, I'm yeah, not really going to acknowledge that question. I did acknowledge it. I said somewhat. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I gave you a one-word answer that barely gives you any information, but enough information to, to not have to say more. No, but seriously, like it would have done probably made like five dollars if they put it out but oh well that's where we're at the interesting thing about intelligence systems is apparently paper mario color splash this is why i heard at e3 when i was at e3 paper mario color splash was basically done at e3 when they were showing it off at e3 the game was pretty much finished there was not a whole lot they had to do it could have shipped nintendo chose to not release it to october last year because they needed a game in october that is the sole reason it did not come out before October. It was done by June. So that means Intelligent Systems has at least 
since mid 2015 not put any work into anything but switch games which on the one hand is cool because that means intelligent systems has good stuff coming to switch on the other hand that also means we can rule out uh intelligent systems being one of these smaller teams that's still working on 3ds so hmm. just saying now that's not to say the wii u doesn't have anything to play because there is one thing worth playing which i did, kind of forgot when i was saying we have nothing to play hmm. and it's the one the episode's named after wow. and you've been playing it so uh yeah you want to talk about what you've been playing which is shantae half g hero on wii u perhaps the final game for wii u we ever give impressions of that's a weird thought Unless we find some random, which reminds the 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 final one we're planning to give impressions of. Yeah, that's the way. To which put is it. a weird thought, but I I guess it's a good game to go out on. Cause... Yeah, I mean, right off the bat, I would definitely recommend it. It's just, uh, and this game, it's been in development for over two years, I believe, through the Kickstarter. Right, because there's a Kickstarter. Yeah, I can't believe it's already been. They released that long. a different Shantae in the time it took them to make this Shantae, which I find <laughs> really funny. Yeah, <laughs> the but... Pir- Pirate Curse was, came out in that mm-hmm. gap, right? Yeah, this game, damn, yeah, it just oozes um polish. Like, everything about it is just so nicely done. Like, just the visuals, the music, the platforming. I, mean, I guess what you would expect from WayForward at this time, I mean, at this point. And they've been doing Shantae since Game Boy Color. So, I mean, it's, the pedigree's definitely there. The only thing that, I guess, changes from other Shantae's game, other Shantae games, if you've played the previous ones, is that this one is... I guess it goes from Mario Galaxy 1 to Mario Galaxy 2 in the sense that instead of having kind of a a 2d open world or just like a hub world you now you have levels with a clear with a defining beginning and end actually i guess it's more super mario world, 3D so, world. so it's going yeah 3d world well well the, the old ones were like metroidvania style right yeah the other one were so more it's going Metro- metroidvania to mega man kind of yeah mega man would be a good comparison but it's weird because um these some of these levels are pretty big that you can still explore them and take your time with them but they still have a point a and a point b and a lot of times you have, I guess you have a main, you have a hub world. I know I said there's no hub world, but I guess, I don't know. There's, there's a level, there's but, a Peach's but, Castle equivalent. I've watched it. But, it's, but it's very tiny. It's pretty much like a small little strip of like five buildings. Like yeah. The one where you get your quest from, the one where there's a, a sky, she has like this giant bird. You go to the bird to access the different levels and they're literally laid out like there's level one. How many things you can unlock there? Level two. How many things you can unlock there? Mm-hmm. And so forth. And then there's the bathhouse where you can go to ask for tips if you're stuck. And just other side quests. Or and have you... risque encounters. Or no. Huh? At the bathhouse, no, no. risque encounters. Oh. And, the, and the side quests usually boil down to like, oh, revisit this old level and kill this many enemies. Or find this hidden thing in this area of the level. So you're still revisiting a lot of the levels. Even though they're linear. I don't know, it's weird. It's like they somehow managed to make a linear game feel not very linear. It still feels kind of Metroidvania-ish. Vanier, because you're still retreading a lot of areas, but you mm-hmm. get new powers mm-hmm. to go to new places that you couldn't go in those areas. But you can also just go point A to point B and just progress. So they basically didn't bother interlinking the levels, but what you expect of a Metroidvania is still there, just without the part where you have to tread back and forth between them. If anything, yeah, they just made it, they streamlined it. Yeah, which is kind of nice, simplified actually. simplified it if... I, I guess simplifying it, I feel that like is kind of the annoying thing about Metrovania, though, is like or any of those setups is like, oh, it's great that you revisit but night go a little further, but you have to walk sometimes. Yeah, sometimes so long. Sometimes so you don't much. really get. <laughs> some games don't really give you a fast travel feature like Metroid yeah. usually doesn't. 
I remember so, Prime even had that issue. The original Prime had mm-hmm. that issue. I mean, it definitely immersed you more. It's like, all oh, right, yeah, it, yeah. it's like an actual it's world. An actual like, world. yeah, like I have to actually walk over there. But, it, but this game circumvents that by giving yeah. you flying from point to point. And some levels are definitely more, are less exploratory, more action-y. This game is definitely way more action-y than anything. But, I mean, yeah, there isn't like too much to say. Just a very simple simple premise like even the, well, even the, even the plot is more bare bones i like usually like the last one like the plot thickens as you keep going but this one is definitely more i thought it was going to be a deeper plot but i guess it's by episode like every level you go to like don't introduce a problem oh there you're fired at the other protector of a sequin land and here comes this new genie holly and you're like all right i guess it's going to be the plot that's going to carry for the rest of the game then you beat one level like less than 20 minutes later and it's completely resolved and you're <laughs> like oh that's it that's odd okay maybe all right so they went somewhere more some... cartoon with the plot depth yeah like like there's another one like, oh um girls are getting kidnapped and who knows what's going on like all right maybe this will be the next plot oh no um you resolve it in the next 20 minutes with by the end of the level i mean nothing really wrong with that but it definitely it's definitely more mario like mario west than anything right. you don't you're not really there for the story you're just there for the gameplay and the gameplay is great so i I played a little of it yeah. here on your Wii U, and uh, I do like how easy it is to switch transformation. So she's always been able to transform in different animals, right? Like that, yeah. that's a staple of the, of the franchise. In, the uh, one where they Pirates took Curse. Oh, that's right. The one that came out in the interim. Um, whoops. But yeah, she uh, – have they always done that like quick selecting? That is very no, convenient. This no, this was way, I guess, also, also simplified. Streamlined. But they gave you way more transformations. And before, you would have to um, hold the dance button and – toggle between different dance forms like she would like do like a hip turn or like a side shimmy or something else and depending on the combination would give you the animal she she belly dances her way into different animal forms in case people didn't know that yeah there's a dance mechanic that transforms and in this one you press the dance button and literally she's surrounded by a d-pad and you just pick what you want to turn into but what's kind of interesting about it is to kind of i guess to sort of mimic the old dance routine method is they don't show you all the options constantly so like each there's three like left right up or left right up yeah left right up and sets, yeah. yeah sets and they rotate so you might have to wait a few cycles and watch her dance dance for a second while you wait for the monkey to come back and then once you have the animals they obviously of course all do different things one can cling to walls one can jump really high or that's the same one uh but what wasn't there like a weird one like a sea cucumber or something no well, i mean there's a crab that oh, there's a crab it's that's funny because like weird. this game like it has a ton of transformations but instead of going the like all right here's your crab one all right this is my let's go underwater because normally yeah. when shantae jumps on the water she stays on the surface but when you have the crab you automatically sink and you could jump higher but instead of just upgrading the crab to allow it to swim or do other things, it just gets completely replaced by the mermaid and then so on and so forth. Like I just got a like you get a bat at some point that, that that just lets you fly left and right. But then later you get a heartbeat that lets you fly in any direction you want, so then you have no reason to ever go back to so, the So again, streamlining Metrovania because that's basically the upgrade system. Yeah, it's basically an upgrade system, but I guess in a way it kind of makes you go like, oh, I wish I could use the bat more. I wish they, whatever. But I mean, it's just Oh, just in terms of what you prefer. Yeah, it's just, looks like. it's just what they're doing. They're just yeah. upgrading you that way instead of powering up. That's the, it's almost like... They, they do power some abilities, some transformations, but others just get replaced. It's almost like they looked at Metroidvania and went, what would bog you down and just took it and out? Just the traveling, Just yeah. completely took it. The traveling, the plot, that like, what, what, what can we do to make like a... 
I don't want to say casual friendly, but it sounds like it is more casual yeah, friendly. Even within the levels, once you've beaten them once, you can learn the warp dance if you find these snake ladies hidden inside a pot. And the warp dance is you teleport to different sections of that level in chronological order, pretty much whenever you exit the screen, right? Right. So on top of just teleporting or flying to whatever area you want to go to, you can even fast travel within that area. So... Yeah, it definitely yeah. seems like their goal, whether whether this was their stated goal or not on the Kickstarter, I don't know. I didn't follow the Kickstarter part, but I played at E3, I played your copy, it is really fun. But what uh, what it seems like it is, and correct me if I'm wrong as someone who's played it a lot more, it seems like they basically went, how do we make Metroidvanias friendly to casual gamers, but do it in a way that's still fun for core gamers? Yeah, because it still feels like you're exploring, but it just feels more manageable. It feels more yeah. efficient. It's, yeah, right. it just feels it's efficient. Efi- it's an efficient Metroidvania. It feels inefi- like, very efficient. Tired of tired of walking and, all the way through dracula's castle well guess what now it's efficient and you know and they made it work within the context of this universe you have yeah. this giant bird like all right just fly me there like why do i have to walk across the desert and the forest to get to the castle that bird looks straight out of son of zorn by the way like if you've ever oh, seen that yeah. ad for son of zorn where he buys his son a bird it looks just I mean, it, like it, that it's, bird it's just done well <laughs> i mean they, they did yeah. a good job with that and it looks really cool like it looks really it, it yeah. reminds me of waterland shake it where it has that kind of cartoon come to yeah, life originally it was going to have a a hundred percent traditionally hand-drawn animation style but at some point during the kickstarter they did, they did away with that and went with a more flash which animation. Really sharp yeah i mean they i mean with what they did they made it look really well there are some points like they have a lot of giant bosses that look really cool yeah but some of them definitely look and maybe it's because i have to like stare at animations all the time because because that's what you do yeah or that's what you're in school um, to do. like a lot of them like i just see i just see the layers i'm just like oh like that part's not moving uh, it's just moving left and right but the few times when I can, like, step away from that and just look at it as a whole, like, it does look really, really cool. And as someone that doesn't know what the layers are, it looks great. Yeah. <laughs> so, but, I mean, that just comes with anything that you do, like, you know. Yeah, it has good music, like, too. Like, I know, I, I can't recall what it was, but I remember I once saw Logan, I'm like, oh, that looks kind of cool. And just thought, like, eh, it's actually kind of bad because of how this is centered. I don't know what. But, oh, yeah, yeah. But, yeah. Oh, yeah, that's right. I was like, oh, the, have it, a... they didn't pixel push it enough, yeah. 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 But, uh, yeah, and, the, and another thing, just from my brief experiences, I feel like the music was better than i remember in yeah, jake hoffman is has been the composer for every game i believe and um yeah he's still doing he just a, had more instruments to work with or he's still doing a good job so, yeah yeah i mean this is the first so, direct to console shantae so they definitely were able to up everything i mean this is the first full hd shantae game yeah the, and you could tell the production value is there like mm-hmm. which is impressive especially for a kickstarter yeah was it's, i know the kickstarter went up around the same time as the ukulele one and the mighty number no. nine one so it's funny well how, and funny how different those results were so y- ukulele looks like it actually still be good my yeah. number nine here's how bad nine number not my number nine was i talked about how sad i was i got to land nine the out of, mighty number nine out of ten no try mm-hmm. my number zero 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 point nine out of ten no but i talked about wanting it so much on the show right and they're like oh how to keep getting delayed this is so annoying da, da, da. game comes out never gave impressions oh wow <laughs> didn't even realize that yeah i was like no i'll give impressions at a different i i, I need to like distance myself from the hype and everything, they look at it objectively. And then I one... looked at it, and I'm like, still not worth talking about. Well, I would recommend Shantae. I mean, that's all I have to say on it, but by any chance, do you have one-minute impressions of? No. No? I can't even... There's nothing... It's, it's not... It's not even worth that? It's not good. Wow. It's just... It was buggy. It was weird. I kind of want to give them credit or benefit of doubt because I think they updated it, so maybe I should go back and try it during this lull we have before the Switch. Yeah, I'll do that. Between now and March, we'll have an episode where I talk about my number nine. And also, if anyone's wondering, Shantae is, for an eShop game, a bit pricier at $20, but it's also a physical release, I just realized. So never mind, not pricey at all. That's actually cheap for a physical release. Yeah, and it comes with a soundtrack. Which yours did not, because you backed it. 
Yep. I could have begged it for a little more for the soundtrack, but I mean, I got it for fifteen bucks, so I can't. Oh, well, that's not bad. Yeah. And I could, and I probably will end up buying the soundtrack. I usually get the soundtrack of the Shantae games just because they're very catchy and upbeat. Right. So, yeah. And she belly dances to them well. Uh, but yeah, so. My number nine impressions will be coming in a future episode, uh, but it sounds like Shantae's a winner on, like, my number nine. Uh, and I think that pretty much does it for this episode of Roundtown Podcast. Uh, I think, honestly, I think this is going to be a really fun episode to come back and look at at the end of 2017 and see which predictions came true, which didn't. I feel like, in a many ways, you and I played it pretty safe with predictions, but you never know. One one thing that one thing could be right, one thing could be wrong. But, but one thing that I know will certainly come true, however, is just how massive of a story the Switch is about to be. So as I said during the show, Switch Presentation 2017, as it's officially called, is this Thursday, January 12th, uh, followed by a Treehouse Live the next morning and an onslaught of game announcements from third parties probably, uh, media hands-on, news. So naturally, you can expect our next episode, episode 142, is going to be dedicated to like all of it. We're not going to have what we're playing. It's going to be Switch. Just two plus hours of just Switch. So get ready for Switch, but uh, which is really fun to say. But uh, I, I think it could arguably be one of our biggest episodes of the year. And all I have to compare it with is this episode currently. But I'm still going to make that bold claim. That's going to be one of our biggest out of two episodes. It will be bigger than this one. Uh, no, but the, the real reason I'm, I'm saying all this is we're actually going to keep our regular schedule. So we have an episode coming up on January 22nd, which is actually a week after the presentation and there is a method to the madness here uh everything's still breaking everything's still unfolding the impressions are still pouring out during the time that we would normally be needing to record for a sunday for like an episode like this so we're just gonna give them an extra week we're gonna let things die down a little we're gonna give it time for us to digest it, kind of digest it and make sense of it and see how everything falls into place and what comes out because as we learned from e3 Nintendo will say one thing at a press conference, and then two days later in an interview, they'll be like, well, actually, what that really meant is this. So we're going to give them the chance to do that instead of sharing misinformation or to not to share corrected information. Plus, that gives you guys one less thing to worry about during the onslaught of official stuff from Nintendo, and they can double back and hear our takes on it later on. Because we know you're, you're, we're not the source for the breaking news. We're the source for the analysis that goes with it, and we will have plenty of that. So... To make sure you don't miss up, so when it comes on January 22nd, uh, be sure to follow us on Twitter, as always, at Real Nintendo. Subscribe to us on your podcasting app of choice. If you do want to see our up-to-the-second hot takes on uh, everything right as it's breaking, you can follow me and Angel on Twitter individually. I am JSR7. He is Wero, W-E-I-R-O underscore O. And, yeah, until next episode, um, or until then, really, enjoy these last few days of Switch Mystery, and we will see you on the 22nd in a post-Switch Reveal world. Yeah.